Alex Mellaris. And I'm Ty Seifu. And I think it might be appropriate to start off this episode with a Darren Drecker tweet from 7.07 this morning. It says, Good morning. The free agent watch continues. A friendly reminder. Hockey emoji, pen emoji, praying emoji, turkey emoji, wine emoji, thumbs up emoji. <laughs> yeah, so we're on Thanksgiving Sunday. Fucking wild that we have, you know, free agent day uh, in October. But here we are. And, uh, you know, not going to lie, been kind of underwhelming on all fronts. Uh, just as a general thing, there haven't been, you know, the contracts haven't been long. Uh, except for one in particular, who I think we'll, we'll start off with. Signed by our very own team, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, just after, I think it was the day after the draft, so after our emergency thing, our live reaction that you should go check out, uh, they signed possibly the worst contract of Mark Bergevin's tenure, and this is a guy who just bought out Carl Alsner, who he signed to a terrible contract. He just signed Josh Anderson, noted guy who he traded a third-round pick for on top of Max Domi. We admonished that trade. And now he topped it with a fucking signing. Seven years. Seven years! Five and a half million dollars. A complete atrocity at face value. So we're, we're going to jump into that right away? Right away Hell we're doing yeah, Josh we Anderson? It's a big thing, okay. man. We're doing yeah, it. Yeah, so obviously the trade, after you make the trade, you expect him... You expect them to sign him. That's of course. Uh, but when, man, when that that came across my screen, because Max Domi had just signed also the day the day before, I think. Uh, Max Domi, I think, signed on day two of the draft. It was a two year deal, five point three million dollars a year, which uh, that was like a little rich for my blood, and also the fact that it walks him right to UFA seemed like a pretty bad deal for Columbus. But man, would I have taken that deal instead of signing Josh Anderson, who says he's a hundred percent recovered, which is nice. You would hope. He's 100% recovered if you sign him to a seven-year contract. Remember, we said this over and over again during our live reaction. He scored one goal last year. One goal. And I know everyone's pointing back to his his 2018-19 season, his career year. He scored 27 goals, and he's big, and he has a lot of hits. Oh, great, big and a lot of hits. Now, he's the only player signed for Montreal past Carey Price and Shea Weber. He's going to be 34 when this contract is done. And Josh Anderson is exactly the type of player whose game tends to totally fall off a cliff past the age of, I don't know, 29, 30, 31. Milan Lucic, Wayne Simmons, physical players where hitting is a big part of their game. You're going to see their game take a big nosedive at some point, probably in their early 30s, maybe 32 if we're, if we're I don't know, if we're being generous, if we're lucky. So I don't see a way that this contract isn't a disaster. A total disaster. I want to look at Josh Anderson's stats. Everyone's pointing back to that 27-goal year where he was great. He was. He was great. He played like a, a really good top six forward. Um, But that's his career high of 47 points. He had 27 goals, 20 assists. He consistently over his career has more goals than assists. He's never cracked 50 points. Max Domi had 70, you'll remember. But we're not ta- even talking about the trade right now. The trade is one thing. The trade is bad enough. This contract is so much worse. Josh Anderson, if he's even worth it to begin with, he could, if he can even return to that 20-goal form for a couple years, no way past three, maybe four years of that deal can he keep it up. I said to you, we're going to be 25 years old by the time this contract is done, which is pretty freaky, freaky about. Then I said, hmm. Maybe we'll be 30, though, when it actually comes off the books because there's a pretty good chance Josh Anderson gets bought out pretty soon. Yeah, um, on yeah, you said it. On all fronts, this deal is absolutely 
atrocious. Um, obviously, the part that sticks out, you look at the term, you look at those last few years, absolutely, this guy's going to be worn down. He plays with hard miles. He's got an injury history. And fuck, he's not very good. He's not very good. He's a fucking middle six forward. He's not really a second liner. So he's really, if you think about it, a bottom six forward, a decent third liner, and you're giving him seven years, five and a half million dollars. He's not worth five and a half million dollars this year. He wasn't worth it last year. Hell, I don't even think he was worth it that career year. You know, I wouldn't have paid the guy five and a half million dollars for seven years when he scored 27 goals. Because, you know, 27 goals, it's nice. It's a very nice season, right? But it's not, it's not, it's not game breaking. It's not a guy that I absolutely need as part of my core. And, you know, I can't help but, but compare with Max Domi. And, you know, not only is Max Domi just straight up a better player who scores more points, who is more skilled. I understand he didn't want to be here anymore because he didn't like his usage, but he's still the better player here. Uh, and, man, I would, I would, I certainly wouldn't mind two years, $5 million. Is it ideal? Absolutely not for Columbus. Yeah, you, you said it. It walks the guy to, to, you know, unrestricted free agency. But, it's it's much better than whatever the hell this is. I would love to watch Josh Anderson to unrestricted free agency and watch him walk away and get overpaid by some other team that to pay this guy five and a half million dollars when he's 34 years old. Um, he's sure as hell not going to be worth five and a half million dollars then. He's not worth five and a half million dollars now. It's not even a smart short-term contract. Yeah, you said it. Why Why are you paying this much money? All right, this guy had a down season. When a guy has a down season, what you typically do is you either go for, you know, shorter, which I don't think Bergman wanted to do. But if you do end up giving him a longer term deal, mind you, not necessarily seven years, you can get him at a discount. Uh, because what? The guy fucking scored four points in a third of a season. In over a third of a season, he scored four points. That's not a small sample size. Uh, and... I mean, it's not like he played 10 games and got injured and left. He played double that, more than double that. 26 games. That's a third, over a third of the season. He scored a one goal, four points. And then you went and paid the guy for seven years. Um, it's completely absurd. It's completely, completely absurd. And I saw a tweet on Twitter. It might have been Andrew Berkshire or he retweeted or something. It was talking about how, you know, Bergevin, when it comes to these kind of players, it seems that... He's signing them for what he wants them to be. Not what they really fucking are. What he wants is, you know, uh, a top six power forward who can, who's gritty, who plays nasty, quote unquote, and who can fucking score points. But unfortunately for you, Josh Anderson is not that guy uh, because, A, he's just not that good. He doesn't fucking score. He's missing the key part of the equation there. He just doesn't score that many points. And, you know, and you compare with Max Domi, I can't help but do it. The trade was just, you know, the trade was just last week. And so, you know, a guy who his career year scored 70-something points. Uh, and a down year was 40-something points, which, you know, Josh Anderson could only dream about as he scored one goal all of last season. And so, you know, uh, the injury concerns are there as well, not to mention. I understand he says he's fully healthy, but, you know, still a red flag. And so, really, it, and there's nothing, nothing about Josh Anderson that indicates that he's Anything more than a third liner who deserves a third line contract and not whatever this nonsense is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was Berkshire who said that, and I think it really hit the nail on the head. Like, Mark Bergeron sees Josh Anderson. He scored 27 goals one year, and he's tall and large and has a lot of hits and thinks, wow, that could be great and is exactly the type of player I want, but can he actually do it? We both think, seem to think probably not. And one of the things I was most sad about on the night of this contract, which was a couple nights ago now, um, is that I wanted to be able to c- commiserate with all the other Habs fans on the on the TL, but unfortunately, uh, a a significant part of them seem to be not, do not seem to realize the disastrous implications. They seem to kind of like it, or at least they seem to think, "Hey, let's give it a chance." He was injured last year. Let's give it a chance. And I think that's just the same mindset as Mark Bridgman. If they see, "Wow, big player scores a lot once, maybe he can do it again." So that was that was a little bit sad for me that that no one else was really there to to commiserate with, except for you and all the you know all the you know Andrew Berkshire, Don Decision, these people who analyze hockey players for a living. They seem to to be in line with with our line of thinking. Uh, and though I think a couple months ago, actually, maybe not quite that long ago, in one of Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts, there was one about Josh Anderson when he was still with Columbus at the time. And I think an anonymous source said, because Darren Ferris is Josh Anderson's agent, who uh, infamously had that you know Mitch Marner debacle go on with the Leafs and his contract talks last year. He ended up getting uh, way more than he was worth. So Darren Ferris won that battle and he won this battle again. And the, the anonymous source, whoever it was, said Josh Ander- about Josh Anderson, he scored one goal last year and they're going to be asking for seven times six. And everyone laughed at it, thought it was ridiculous. There's no way he can get seven times six. Well, here's, here's a lesson to everyone. Ask for more than you're worth because you're going to get pretty close to it because seven times five and a half is pretty close to seven times six. It's absolutely ridiculous that if, if Mark Bergerman and, and uh, Josh Anderson here are meeting in the middle, then that probably implies that Mark Bergevin's initial offer was something like seven times five, which is absolutely ridiculous as well. And they met in the middle at five and a half or something crazy like that. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's very frustrating. Very, Darren Ferris, man, that's the, that's a, must be the hot agent name on the market. If you're a player who's looking for an agent, young player, maybe reach out to Darren Ferris because, uh, you know, if you're going to be anywhere around Josh Anderson's level or higher, then he should be able to get you well over market value. And like, if you're, this is a seven-year contract. If you're looking to make a cup run sometime in the next seven years, which every team should be looking to make a cup run at some point within the next seven years, Josh Anderson at five and a half, is that really, you think, a, a, a player at that number that's going to help you reach that goal? That's like that's one of the takeaways. Like You think you think about that. You know, all these young players we're talking about, Suzuki, Kakanyemi, Caulfield, the, the draft picks they just made, you could be a, you know, a part of the core moving forward. And then you have Josh Anderson playing on your third line at $5.5 million. Is that really the recipe for success? No. The answer is no. It's flat out no. Uh, because this man should not be paid $5.5 million in any year. And I keep saying it. He's not worth it now. And he's not worth it. What is this the richest contract that was awarded so far in free agency? I understand he's an RFA, but is it? Uh, Matt Matt like Murray got. Oh, Matt Murray got a higher AAV, but it was only four years. So I think. Right. I think I'm talking yeah, like pure people. money. Tory Krug, there's the bigger one. Okay. All right. So you're telling me so far. I understand that there are still notable names to be signed, like Petrangelo and Hall. But we're on day three of free agency, and if you tag in the RFAs. Uh, which we will do for this situation. Josh Anderson is the second highest paid guy in free agency this offseason. And that is completely nuts. That is nuts because, yeah, I mean, he's just, that guy's a fucking third liner. What are you doing paying this much money? 
And it's a down year, too, in terms of, you know, just the market. Because obviously, we have the whole COVID thing. It's going to be a flat cap for a long time. Every team's looking for money uh, in the couch. And they're looking for, you know, cap space. And you go out and pay this guy $5.5 million? Really? Really? Um, I mean, woof. Woof. Mm -hmm. Just woof. I mean, just have, you know, Tyler Johnson was just on waivers for, I understand his contract is terrible. It's like $5 million for four more years. But it's cheaper than this contract. Exactly. So why do we just go and pick up, uh, you know, why do we just go and pick up Tyler uh, Johnson? because Because you see, Tyler Johnson is small. There we go. That's why. There, there's, oh. your, there's your reason. Right. And and we can't have that. We need size. We need grit. And, you know, we talk about the size bias. We talked about it for like fucking five, six, seven weeks. Months. Uh, when we were doing our prospect analysis. And like, yeah. You, you, you wrap it up. You take some years for these guys to develop. Uh, and then they're, they're bonafide NHL players. And they're still, they're still the size bias uh, when it comes to NHL players. Clearly. Uh, because, man. That Tyler Johnson contract, it's shitty. It's on waivers. It cleared waivers. Nobody wanted it. But I'd much rather have it and his skill set than, you know, Josh Anderson for seven years. Seven years. He's signed longer than Carey Price and Shea Weber. The longest contract on this team. It's remarkable. I didn't think that the one guy who would beat those two contracts, I know it would happen eventually, obviously, but I didn't think the one guy, the first guy who it would be at $5.5 million would be Josh Anderson. And this early, too. I mean, seven years down the road, we're going to be looking at this one. Oh, really, maybe even next year. Maybe next year we'll be looking at this one. When they have, what, how many free agents do they have on the, in the forward core? I think they have a three bunch. guys signed right now. They have three guys that are not Josh Anderson. They have Drouet, they have Byron, and they have Suzuki. Everybody else, everybody else who was on the roster this year is either an RFA, and there are only two of those, and everybody, we, have five, you, you, we have five unrestricted free agents coming up this season. You're telling me? That like they're first of all, most of them are better than Josh Anderson. And so you're telling me the floor for all of them is five and a half million dollars? That's completely absurd. That's completely, completely absurd. This contract sucks. Sucks from day one. It's gonna suck on day, I don't know, day one million when it finally ends. <laughs> Alright. So our plan for this episode was to go team by team and look at all the moves they made at the the, the draft picks, the free agent signings, trades they've made. And kind of, you know, get a gauge on what they've done with the offseason. So since we've already spent so much time on Josh Anderson, and since we are a Habs podcast, I think we can start with Montreal. And if you listened to our live reaction to the draft on on night one, then you'll know how we feel about Caden Gooley. To to give you an idea of it, our, our, our broadcast, if you want to call it that, went kind of quiet around pick 16 we didn't like that pick and i mean you can listen to it to get our full thoughts but basically low ceiling defenseman is all the 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 reasoning that we have for it like there are so many players especially forwards available with a much higher boom potential than Caden Gooley has on day two which we haven't talked about yet there were a couple good picks my favorite one was 48th overall yan mishak I thought he was a first-round talent, and a lot of people seem to agree. And they got him at 48th overall, I think, is a steal. Sean Farrell also at 124. Um, Scouting called him, actually, in one of his uh, recent live streams. It's a, someone, a YouTube channel we've mentioned a couple times. as a player who would fit really well with Montreal's identity and probably could have gone in the third round back when they had that third-round pick that he said that could have been one of their targets. 
And besides that, I mean, like Blake Biondi, I think that's like, that was his range. But what's frustrating about, you know, first of all, someone like Luke Tuck, you take in the second round is I know Luke Tuck's a forward, but it's the same kind of thing as Ghouli. Like you look at who is available and you see, this is a Josh Anderson style player, really. Um, he's, he's, they described him on the broadcast. He's like his brother, Alex Tuck, who, by the way, both their first two picks, Ghouli and Tuck have brothers in the NHL. So I won't say nepotism, but kind of, um, except the difference between Luke Tuck and Alex Tuck is Luke Tuck, apparently, according to the NHL network broadcast, doesn't have as much offensive skill, but he's meaner. And then that's what you're using your second round pick on Alex Tuck without the offensive skill. sounds a lot like a fourth liner to me. And I mean, so these a lot of players I've never really heard of. Jack Smith in round four, Jakob Dobez, who's a, a goalie. And like, obviously, it's hard to judge players I know nothing about. But what I can judge is who you passed up on. Alexander Poshin went all the way. He went in round seven. Tyler Tulio was still there for a lot of the time. Uh, James Hardy went totally undrafted. That's someone I thought should have gone in the fourth round. So you look at who was on the board and you look at who they took. And you, so I don't, I don't know. Obviously, like oh, these fourth rounders, like. I don't watch them all the time, but when you know you you learn about players, or at least I have this year, and you you want your team to take them, then when they, when they take someone you don't know very well, it it kind of stings a little bit. Oh yeah, hundred percent. My guy going late into the draft was uh, Zion Nybeck, yeah, uh, scoring guy projected in the second round, and how does it take him? It's you know like it's it's what are you going on like hundred and fifteenth? I think I said that was uh, and. Went to the Carolina Hurricanes, who we might get into their draft class later because it was just so ridiculously good. Uh, and yeah, and meanwhile, you know, the Habs are clowning around with some of these, you know, safer picks because they have higher floors but lower ceilings. And so, yeah, we see that with Gooley. We see that with Luke Tuck, who, yeah, I don't know. Like, it seemed like the fan base liked that pick too. And it's like, oh, he's nasty and the Habs need that. Well, you know, you can get that a dime a dozen at this point uh, or, or you just don't need it. I mean, to be totally honest, uh, what we need are goals. And, you know, Jack Smith. Who the fuck is Jack Smith? You took in the fourth round when you took in Zion Nybeck. Uh, first of all, much better name in Zion Nybeck, but also just a much better prospect from what I can tell. Uh, Jack Smith, just some high schooler. And, you know, frankly, this kind of leads me into my into uh, one of my rants as I saw the draft go down this week. And what I don't understand is why teams even have scouting departments. Well, you know, maybe not have them as, is it, maybe that's an exaggeration. Well, it is, but really rely on them so much in order to do their drafting. Because let's not lie, scouting departments are limited because you only have a certain amount of guys who can only see a certain number of players, uh, you know, intently and really study them and get to know them. And there are inevitably some guys who will go under the radar. And what I don't understand is why don't you just rely on, you know, there's so much public information, uh, public opinions about scouting. Consensuses are formed. Players have draft ranges where they're supposed to go. And I don't understand why teams don't just fucking follow those consensuses. Because we're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people looking through, looking at these same players and coming to a consensus. And then you're telling me that you're fucking, you're, you're one guy, you're five guys who watched them play. I've come to a totally different consensus and those guys are right. I understand, you know, finding gems in the rough or whatnot, and it's always a good feeling. But man, you know, it's also a good feeling being, you know, it's it's all about, you know, odds here, right? Uh, when it comes to the draft lottery or the draft, because it's just, you know, it's kind of dumb luck sometimes. But why not increase your odds by taking a guy with higher skill who, you know, the consensus among tons of people who have watched this person, uh, this player, 
is much better than what you have. I don't understand. I don't understand why you're taking Jack Smith or you're taking Caden Gooley or you're taking Luke Tuck when you have guys uh, who are there, who other people, lots of other people, mind you, say that there are better people available. I don't know why you're sticking to your guns. I don't understand because, uh, you know, maybe it's an ego thing. Uh, maybe it's like trusting an organization and whatnot, but I don't understand it because, you know, frankly, you're just, you're, you're missing out on these players, these this better players. Is, this is probably going to be very relevant when we get to the Blue Jackets and Igor Chinakov because this is a player who Yarmo Kekalainen says our scouts, they all love him. We have him in our top 10. And I mean, everyone else has him in the fourth round, maybe the third round, oftentimes the fifth or sixth round ranked. If you think everyone else, all the other experts scouting sure you're so you're the scouts hired by every nhl team are expert scouts that's true but i mean would you rather weigh the opinion of 10 experts or 100 experts 100 is the correct answer because you know one expert might be wrong there's less of a chance of having the consensus be incorrect when you have more of them it's, it's very as a simple concept to graft so if all your scouts are like Igor Chinikov is great Igor Chinikov we should take him with our first round pick and everyone else thinks that's a dumb idea then maybe instead of saying everyone else is wrong you should look at your scouts and say hmm what what are you seeing that they don't or what do they see that uh, doesn't make them a first round talent that you don't so it's very relevant what you say but of course you know when scouting has been part of hockey such a long for such a long time you don't want it to seem like we're saying oh scouting is irrelevant doesn't matter anymore of course it does but what's what's the the wrong aspect to look at this from is when you're valuing the opinion of a few people over the opinion of of everyone else you may be overvaluing your own scouts a little too much like i, I always say like i don't know you could, if you hired no scouts for your team and just listened to everyone else, all, like all the public information on the internet in magazines or whatever, you could probably come away with a pretty good draft class. I honestly think that. And I know some people are all offended by that. Like, uh, oh, no, you got you to gotta see it in person. Like, hmm, you know, I'm not sure you do based on the way some of these teams have been drafting recently. Anyway, uh, so just to finish up with Montreal, they signed one UFA, Brandon Baddock. AHL scrub is, I think, never been used more properly than with Brandon Baddock. A one-year, $700,000. It's a two-way contract. I don't expect he's going to be seeing any NHL ice time. I don't think he ever even has up until this point in this, his career with the uh, the Devils. Nope. Binghamton in the AHL and some ECHL games, too. That's what he's done up until this point. And they extended a couple of their RFAs. Xavier Ouellette. A two-year deal, $737,500 a year. And strangely enough, Victor Mete got a one-year contract, $735,000. That's a lower cap hit than, uh, than Xavier Wallet. And uh, man, I was expecting at least a million dollars if you were to sign a one-year contract. I was like, what, what's going on there? Am I missing something? Or is he going to get traded or something? Because that's, of course, a very easy deal to trade. Or is he going to go to Seattle? Or also now this is another player who's probably an everyday roster player heading into a contract year again now. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I think Victor Mete might, de- might need to consider hiring Darren Ferris as his agent. He is. Uh, Darren Ferris is his thought. agent. What? Okay, so then that just, okay, that just makes it even more confusing as to what the <laughs> hell is going on. Uh, maybe he pissed off Darren Ferris somehow. Because, uh, yeah, strange, strange fucking contract. Because, uh, you know, Victor Mete has proven he's a young, capable bottom four defenseman. And, you know, I think that's worth a million dollars. Uh, and, you know, so 
Maybe it's just the fact that he's, you know, really kind of tumbled down the depth chart now that Victor or the perceived depth chart, Bergevin's perceived depth chart as he signs, you know, notable guy, Joel Edmondson. Uh, and so, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. And so, you know, he just, he's not going to get that much more than the league minimum because he doesn't, Bergevin doesn't expect him to play much this year uh, because, you know, it's really, it's really, there's just so many guys on left D. Uh, and so I, th- I think that's it. Uh, but I mean, what the hell? What kind of bargain is this? This is crazy. 730K for Victor Mete. Uh, I understand RFA, but eh, probably the best contract of this, of this little, uh, <laughs> You know, UFA period for for Bergevin, which you know, which is not great, not a good thing. But uh, I mean, I I'll give him kudos on this one. Seven hundred thirty three k is a bargain. Yeah. Oh, last thing before we move on from Montreal, here's the point I really wanted to bring up about the draft. Not that long ago, Montreal had fourteen draft picks, and we were saying, "Well, this is one of the best draft draft classes ever. They're going to come away with so many great prospects." And they had a couple good ones, but okay, they had fourteen, and then here's what they did: they traded two of them for Jake Allen. They traded one for Joel Edmondson signing rights. They traded one in the Max Domi Josh Anderson trade. And then throughout the throughout day two of the draft, they traded, first of all, 57th pick for 124th pick and a next year second rounder. That doesn't actually, you know, take away the number of picks they have because really just looking this year, they just moved down from the second to the fourth. But then they traded the 98th pick this year for a third rounder next year. And then they traded the 188th pick this year for a seventh rounder next year. So they went down from 14 picks to eight. And I feel this isn't the last time. I mean, the first time but I feel like last year they did. They do this a lot where they trade uh, a pick this year for next year. And that's one of the big reasons why everyone was looking, wow, they had 14 picks this year. How did they pull that off? Well, now guess what? They have 14, 20, 21 picks too. So this is the last time I'm going to be extremely impressed by that, just so everyone knows. <laughs> and I'm going to wait until they use the draft picks before I praise Mark Bergevin for having so many of them. Because looking at his track record, I'm not convinced he's going to use them. And you could argue, you know, you're gaining value, which maybe you are, because, you know, if you want to acquire players, a lot of the times they'll, well, almost all the time, they'll prefer an actual fifth round pick over the player you just took in the fifth round, because maybe they don't like that player. So a draft pick is at its most valuable right before it's used, and at its least valuable right after it's been used. Well, actually, I guess at its, at its least valuable um, when that player inevitably turns into a bust because it's a fifth rounder who probably won't make the NHL. But anyway, you get the idea. So everyone who's going to be, you know, over the next year or so talking about how great it is that Mark Bergevin has 14 picks. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to, you know you know what I could do? I could, if I, a team with uh, seven draft picks, like, you know, the average amount, I'll trade them all for draft picks next year. And then everyone will think I'm a genius for having 14 draft picks in one year. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's clear that this guy has uh, he's got a trigger finger when it comes to pushing picks the next year. And really, it's just it's the it's, it kind of fits the whole vibe that I got from this draft, which I was it feels like everything is just a missed opportunity with this team. Uh, you know, just a lot of these picks, you're like, OK, that's a good that's a dude who, you know, might fit in this range. But look at these other guys who are so much better that you could have drafted uh, who's, you know, whose value, you know, these second round picks or projected second rounders, they tumble to the fourth, then you just pass on them and you go with fucking Jack Smith. The Jack Smith pick pisses me off because, man, there were just so many guys that were better than him. Uh, And so, you know, it's just very disappointing. You know, it started with the first round, obviously. Disappointing pick. 
And other than the Ad Misha pick, which, you know, we thought was the best player available at that point, everybody else kind of just, it just really disappointed. And it wasn't nice. And so, you know, hopefully, I'm not too hopeful. You know, I maybe, I think really the only team that really killed it was Carolina because it just it looked like they were just rolling pick after pick, all the hits. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe it's like this for every other franchise. But, you know, with every pick, I, I so. felt a certain degree of disappointment. You know, it was just like, oh, I wish I had, we had a different guy because this guy is kind of ho-hum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Carolina for the second year in a row had an amazing draft and probably the best in the entire NHL, in my opinion. This year, I think LA had a great draft again. San Jose had a great draft, which doesn't happen all that often, to be honest. Uh, Toronto did really well, unfortunately. Uh, man, Ottawa kind of, you know, they really fit your, your bill of um, teams that, you know, really trust their scouting departments because we talked about how crazy it is. Like, they don't have an amateur scout in Russia. They never take, will take players out of the KHL, MHL, VHL, that kind of thing. And we're seeing them happen all the time because, you know, they don't spend much on their scouting staff. Compound that with they only trust their scouting staff. And you end up reaching for, you know, Jake Sanderson or someone like Roby Yarvencia with a 33rd pick when, you know, Kuznadinov or Noel Gundler is still available there. You end up trading up for Tyler Cleveland. You end up making all these reach picks. And it doesn't matter how many draft picks you have if you don't have enough amateur scouts around the world. But uh, ever, whatever. Anyway, so I'm thinking as we move off from Montreal, how do you want to do that? Do you want to go like alphabetical order or do you want to like st- stay with the Atlantic division? And we should probably be, you know, a little uh, more strict with our time frames now that we're almost at half an hour. Okay, let's let's hit the division. Um, let's go alphabetical by division, shall we? Uh, like All alphabetical, right. the teams alphabetically within the division. Okay, That's so nice we'll head over to so Boston Bruins. That That's who we're, that's who we're doing now. Yes, that's right. Okay, so Boston. Let's do this fast. Well, not not too fast, but kind of fast. I pulled up their signings. They re-upped Kevin Miller, who didn't play a single game last year, for $1.25 million, uh, a one-year deal. Seems kind of strange. He was never that good to begin with, and then he spent a whole year off. Uh, I think there's a very good chance he gets waived. Craig Smith is the other signing they've made. Uh, that's probably that's a really good middle six, six right winger. And three years, $3.1 million. He is 31 already, but apparently he's like an analytical darling with great value. He's provided for Nashville his whole career, and that is probably not too bad of a contract. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, uh, I would say it's a bit, it's a, it's a tad much, but you know, solid guy for a guy who plays in the most six. I don't hate it. And you know, the big guy, obviously, who they lost uh, was Tory Krug, and he went to St. Louis, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, I mean, that Boston defense which wasn't particularly good this season. Uh, I mean, I, I wonder how they're going to plug that hole because that's a pretty significant loss. Yeah, Tory Krug, uh, arguably their best defenseman, probably, well, it was. Um, probably McAvoy had jumped over him. Not to mention Chara. Who knows if he's coming back? And that was their 1-2 left D. And now, I mean, the left side, Matt Grizzlick is their number one on the left side. Jeremy Lozon. And John Moore, I suppose, is what their lefty looks like now. So Eric Gustafson is still available UFA. I don't know if they'll be targeting him. Uh, Boston, they haven't made any trades this offseason except trading the 213th overall pick to Toronto for next year's seventh rounder. And in terms of their their what they did at the draft, uh, they only had four picks. And according to many people, uh, they had probably the worst draft, maybe, or at least one of the worst drafts based on not only their small amount of picks, but that they didn't get much value. I said when they drafted Mason Lowry or Lowry in the second round, he was the first player picked who I had never heard of. Trevor Kuntnar, Riley Duran, 
well, both projected like late rounders, just like Mason Langenbrenner. So a lot of people were really scratching their heads with Boston's draft picks as well. Yeah, I mean, really, all four of these guys, uh, you know, all kind of felt like we just there were better players available at every turn. And uh, yeah, it's the team where you're wondering where their head is at. And so you know, I don't know. It's one team that I'm not gonna lie. That team is really aging quickly, and so I'm concerned about next season. I was gonna. I understand they were Presidents Cup winners. Did they award a Presidents Cup this year? Because if they did. Yeah, Boston won President's it. Trophy. Um, okay, the President's Trophy. They did award it. So, you know, but that cliff is coming. That cliff is coming for Boston. And uh, yeah, that's something to watch. Mm-hmm. All right. Especially uh, with this so kind of draft. To, yeah, we don't have to spend a full three minutes on everyone, except we kind of almost, yeah, I think we just did on Boston. And that's one of the teams that did the, the least. So Buffalo, uh, moving on to them. Well, we've talked about the Eric Stahl trade. Anyway, so the only trade they've made where they moved up to number 34 in the draft to take uh, one of one of your favorites, J.J. Paterka, of course, add that on to their first rounder, Jack Quinn. And then they had some uh, some late, they had uh, three other picks. They only had five picks total. Matteo Costantini, Albert Likasin, the only defenseman they took, and Jakob Konechny with the second to last pick in the draft. So Paterka, I think, is great value there. The other ones, that's probably their their range, I guess. I, you might have a, a, some one thing to say about Paterka. Uh, you know, uh, I was a big fan of him, big proponent. Uh, you know, my favorite pick for Buffalo uh, by far. And uh, yeah, don't usually agree with trading up, but I think they saw the skill uh, in Paterka. And so nice move, moving up to get him. Mm-hmm. So in terms of free agency, they've done a couple things. Uh, one of them, they tr- they re-signed fourth-line center Zemgus Gergensens to a three-year, $2.2 million per contract. And uh, I mean, Cody Eakin also, that's probably the most prominent move they've made. Uh, to two years, two point two five million dollars a year, and people were talking. Johan Larson, who'd been on Buffalo for a long time, was is a really good fourth line center, and Cody Eakin is a uh, a step down. Most people seem to think, and they paid him more. So this is probably a downgrade for Buffalo from Johan Larson to Cody Eakin. Most people seem to think, but I mean, you know, with a team like Buffalo, maybe just maybe. Change for the sake of change could actually work out because, I mean, it's definitely, you know, staying the course wasn't working out. And they also had a Toby Reader, fourth liner, scored a bunch of shorthanded goals in the playoffs and uh, some depth defense in Matt Irwin, Brandon Davidson, and they re-upped Brandon Montour. Okay, well, you know, this team sucks. I'm sorry, this team sucks balls. Uh, And none of these moves that they made are really going to change much, you ask me. You know, maybe you'll have a nice season. You'll ship them off at the trade deadline when you're inevitably in the basement of the league. And so, you know, just, uh, you know, you feel for Jack Eichel. This team is just no good. It's no good. And these moves are, sure, some of them are cool, very cool. Uh, but, you know, hardly noteworthy. And uh, this team still sucks. The Red Wings made a bunch of UFA signings. And most of them pretty good, I think. Thomas Grice, he's 34, but he still he had a couple of good years with the Islanders. Uh, I know the Islanders are known to have that great defensive structure that probably benefits goalies, and the Red Wings are kind of the opposite of that. So if Thomas Grice turns out to be absolutely terrible, don't be surprised. But, I mean, you know, they're the Red Wings. What do they expect? $3.6 million a year for two years, and they're far from the cap. So that cap, it doesn't really matter. And he'll be in tandem with Jonathan Bernier, presumably, next season. They signed Troy Stetcher who, I mean, the Canucks are just gonna kicking themselves that they couldn't find room to qualify him after. We'll talk about Vancouver when we get to Vancouver, I guess. Bobby Ryan, apparently he really liked the idea of signing with Detroit and getting to play in a top six role. John Merrill, very underrated defensive defenseman. 
bottom pair player. Might play in the top four on the Red Wings and a couple of depth AHL signings too. Yeah, I mean, just look, it's a, it's a handful of nice moves. Uh, better than Buffalo, but still this team still sucks. And, uh, you know, but I, I credit the nice moves they made. Grace is a, a very nice addition in the goalie musical chairs. Uh, he signed to a reasonable contract, only a couple of years. And, uh, you know, everybody else, Bobby Ryan's a nice name. And you bring in nice guys. It's a rebuild. They're in a full-blown rebuild. Uh, they're not like Buffalo where, you know, you don't know how long it's going to last. This is, you know, looks like Eiserman's got a plan. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice string of UFA signings. Nothing crazy. You don't want to go too crazy. You're rebuilding right now. You don't want to give anybody big money. And so and you you got yourself a, a nice stopgap goaltender. It's it's nice. Solid stuff from mm-hmm. Detroit. Yeah, and of course they had a lot of draft picks. Uh pretty mixed bag, I think, this draft for Detroit, in my opinion. Getting Wallander at thirty second overall with first pick of round two. Well, we Ayo. we're both big fans of him, big fans of that pick. Theodore Niederback also they got a fifty one. I think that's a really high ceiling player. And they got a lot of you know, other good defensemen too, Donovan Sobrango and Milviro, both in uh in round three. And in round seven though, with the first pick, Chris Draper's son. Keenan Draper gets drafted 187th and they made a big deal on NHL network. Like, Oh yeah, well this is Chris Draper's son, but this, it's not like, Oh, let's just draft his son for the sake of it. This is a player that definitely deserves to be drafted. And I'm looking really, really nothing to do, (laughs) nothing to do with the fact that it's Chris Draper's son. Like it's okay. You can say the word nepotism on NHL network. It's okay. Well, actually probably not. Uh, I'm sure Gary Bettman would be a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure they're contractually uh, forbidden from saying the word nepotism whenever they're on an NHL broadcast because they wanted to. There's opportunity aplenty for that. Um, and so, yeah, Chris, Chris Draper's son, that's, uh, you know, no, no, no nepotism whatsoever going on over there. Uh, but yeah, uh, cool. Yeah, I can't wait cool. till like Alexander Poshin or someone else who went soon after Keenan Draper turns into a star, and b- people are you know looking back at the Red Wings saying you had to take Chris Draper's son, really you had to, who retired four years later. I have no idea that that probably won't happen, but you know just for the sake of that joke that I just made, I invented a scenario. Anyway, moving on to the next alphabetical Atlantic team, the Florida Panthers. Have they made any trades? Yes, they have. They acquired uh, Marcus Nudivara. From the Blue Jackets in exchange for Cliff Poo, former third-round pick of the Buffalo Sabres, who's been traded, I think, like three times in his career so far already. He's a he's a low-end AHLer. He's really more of an just have him because Nudivara was a captain for Columbus. He was healthy, scratched a lot in the playoffs, but he's still a very effective defenseman. Two point seven million dollars. Florida, I think they're pretty far from the cap, and they need some left defense. So I think that's a pretty logical trade from both sides. Yeah, it's a solid one. Uh, and yeah, Florida gets a defenseman. Columbus gets that cap dump. And Cliff Poo is just a throw-in. Uh, elsewhere, uh, in terms of UFAs, uh, they signed Radko Gudis. They signed Alex Wemberg to a pretty nice contract. And uh, yeah, they got Hinestroza. Uh I don't know what to think about him. But uh, they got Carter Vahegi from the Lightning. Uh, all UFA signings. I mean, nobody really sticks. They're just dudes. And, uh, yeah, a lot of these bottom feeder Atlantic teams are just making moves. Uh, they're just, you know, there's nothing flashy about them. They'll just they'll play some minutes on the bottom six or the bottom four, depending on their position. And it's just, hmm. it's cool. And I don't think anybody's making the jump out of these. And I don't think Florida's going to be particularly good this year either. Yeah, uh, Florida, they've been pretty busy in UFA the past couple of years. And uh, this year, this year again, uh, they signed. They had like five players they signed on day one. Plus Ryan Lomberg 
AHLer. So Radko Gudis, yeah, he'll play on the bottom pair on the right side behind, you know, Ekblad and, and Anton Strahlman. Decent right side. Wenberg, I think they're hoping for him to be a second-line center. And maybe not even hoping. Like, he is now their second-best center. Like, your other option is Nolachari, probably, as your second-line center. Uh, or he, even, like, Vinny Hinestroza. He's probably, like, a third-line player. He can play center or wing. And that's a really good value deal also. He wasn't qualified by the, by the Coyotes. Just for a million dollars for Vinny Hinestroza. Uh, I think that's a, a very nice fit. And in terms of their draft class, that's another one of the teams that did really well, I thought. Anton Lundell, 12, we talked about it the other night, how great of a fit that is. Emil Haneman in, in round two also is a, someone I uh, I like. And, and we've been talking about centers and defensemen is what they really need in their in their pipeline and in their current um, in their current on their current team too. Get Ty Smolanich, Justin Sordif in round three, two round two quality players. Michael Benning probably uh, could have gone a lot higher than round four. They get him there. Casper Puccio in round five. And Elliot Eggmark, I think it's a steal in round seven. But, oh, I want to shout out 212th overall, Devin Levy, uh, native of Dollard DeZormo, the place where I live. And a couple years ago when he was playing Midget AAA, there was an article about him in the Gazette that my dad remembered when he saw the name and saw they showed on NHL Network he's from Dollard. And like, oh, wait, that name sounds familiar. And we both kind of remembered that we we had read about him a couple years ago and getting drafted by the Panthers late seventh round. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, He's a goalie, right? And that's good for him. And yeah, Florida really, especially those first uh, up until the third round, so their first four picks. uh, Yeah, they, they got great value. Uh, for all of them, they may, especially that Lundell pick was, you know, best player available at that point. And so, yeah, solid draft from Florida. And I realized what all these guys that they signed in UFA have in free agency, they're probably all going to like not be on the team by the trade deadline is what I think. Um, except maybe Radko Gudis. Uh, Save for Radko Gudis. You know, Verhege, Anastrosa, Weinberg, <laughs> they all seem like trade trade deadline acquisition for some other team, right? Uh, and so, cool. You're getting yourself some more draft picks. Down the road. Man, Carter Verhage seems a lot like the... Anyone want him as a rental? And everyone's like, eh, no, we're good. And he stays on the, the rebuilding team for the rest of the season. That's more the vibe I get from Verhage. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next team in the Atlantic. Uh, who would that be? Let's see. Is it Toronto? Ottawa. Uh, or Temp or Ottawa. Okay, Ottawa. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start with UFA. Um, they made a bunch of funky-ass moves. Uh, they first of all, you know, they're starting goaltender. They traded for Matt Murray. Uh, who did they trade for Matt Murray again? I don't remember the trade. They, they but, traded uh, a second yeah. round pick and Jonathan Gruden, who was who was a uh, a fourth rounder, I think, a couple years ago, who was a uh, pretty good in junior. Okay, and then and then the completely baffling part that trade was already kind of weird. You know, a second round pick for Matt Murray, really? Like there were free agents, and you're not a guy who needs a starting goalie immediately who will be like any sort of good. Because it's the auto centers, but then they gave him a contract, who, which is I think, fucking terrible. Um, they signed him for four years, which is you know not not awful. Then they gave him six point two million dollars, uh, per year. I think this was there. Matt Murray's the highest paid goaltender out of this this batch of you know, goal, moving goalies. Uh, I mean I think that's that's was he an RFA? I think he was. Yeah, and RFA. So, but still, like. You know, like what is going on? He got he got more money than Robin Lehner, Jakob Markstrom, uh, and really, uh, I if you ask me who would get the most money out of all these guys before any of them were signed, would not have gone with Matt Murray. But hey, I I didn't even know fucking Eugene Melnick had six point two five million dollars uh, in his wallet, but apparently so because wow, 
uh, just I, that usually it's the term that really gets you off, but this one, the cab fit is just white. Yeah. Um, not to, with an RFA, you RFAs don't have as much leverage as UFAs because they don't have places. They, they don't have, a, you know, the wide choice option, unless like there are offer sheets, but who's going to use an offer sheet. And the fact that you have Markstrom, who was a UFA coming off a fantastic season and you have Matt Murray in RFA coming off a very bad season. And Murray's the one who gets the higher cap. It is ri- ridiculous. And you know, because he won cups. I, I was just, just going to say cup pedigree, cup pedigree. That's the reason why the Sens pony up that big amount of money. And also what Ottawa's was doing is they're burning draft picks for low end players, such as Eric Goodbranson, who they gave up a fifth round pick for Eric Goodbranson and Austin Watson, fourth line player. They give up a fourth round pick. These are two bad deals for a contending team. Maybe the Watson one could make sense to add some depth in a uh, good Branson. No, that's just a bad player who I don't want in my lineup. Uh, but the Austin Watson, maybe you could defend if you're another team, not if you're the Sens, not if you're a rebuilding team that needs as many graphics as it can get. It makes no sense to give up a fourth round pick for Austin Watson. Not to mention the, they acquired Josh Brown. Uh, that was before the draft, but I don't think we talked about it yet. And now uh, they seems like they seem to think their defense for next year is set. A left side, they got Thomas Shabbat, Eric Brandstrom, and Mike Riley. And on the right side, we got Nikita Zaitsev, Erica Branson, and Josh Brown. Don't know what order they want to put that that in, but that'd be my guess. Those are all bottom pairing defensemen at best. And to be totally honest, uh, I don't want any of them in my starting lineup if I want to make the playoffs uh, or you know be any sort of respectable NHL team, uh, really. And uh, yeah, it's what is going on there. Uh, and yet, you know. Giving up picks for Eric Gabranson. He's a fucking hardly an NHL player. And you gave up an asset for him to take his entire contract. And what? He's he's getting paid $3 million in cash this year. And so it's not like they're saving a bunch of money to get to the cap floor. And why are you giving up money? Why are you giving up draft picks just to make the cap floor? It's completely absurd to me. And so, you know, I don't know what I was doing. They're doing some nonsense right now. Uh, and what? They, their draft wasn't very good either. Like they took Stutzel, that was the consensus pick. Obviously, Sanderson's a head scratcher. Ridley Grieg at twenty-eight. I mean, uh, eh, sure. You talked about you know getting your venti at thirty-three. It's just yeah, you talk. We talked about you talked about their problems uh, in terms of drafting and scouting. They trust their scouts, but they don't have enough scouts. And really coming to light, this organization is just a hellhole um, in every front. They screwed up. It's miserable. And so you know, the sends will send. Mm-hmm. I think at least they have the, a cool new logo. Yeah, pretty good new logo. But I think a good microcosm of the Sens draft was when they traded up. They traded, I think, 59th and 64th to Toronto for 44th. Sens take Tyler Clevin or Cleven, not quite sure the pronunciation on that, who's a big, tough, mean defensive defenseman. Sound familiar? It should. And the Leafs, meanwhile, with their newly acquired picks, take players I thought, and we, I think both thought, should have gone in the at least top half of round two. Both players who we profiled, actually, Ronnie Irvinen and Topi Nimala, who I think are definitely both better than Tyler Cleveland. So the Sands, you know, giving Toronto two prospects in exchange for one, two prospects, both better than the one, in many people's opinion. And uh, it seems a lot like, oh, we don't want to, you know, we don't have enough players that we know to make all these draft picks. So let's try to trade up and limit our work. I know that's not what's going on, but kind of looks yeah. like it a little bit. Did the Leafs get like three players that we profiled? 
Like they got Nemo and Irwin in. Didn't we profile Amira at one point too? Yeah, they like, did. They got three players who profiled. On? Was it only three? Podcast, who else did they clearly. take? Oh yeah, they must. Uh, Kyle Dubis, clearly. if you're listening, please stop taking all our great advice. Yeah, man. Come on now. Hey, you got. You, if you're gonna take our advice, you might as well pay us for it. Um, so yeah, hire the podcast. Hire, yeah, so, hire us. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so that's Ottawa. Feels bad for all them fans. Um, Tampa Bay. I mean, yeah. So their their big project was shedding cap space, and so uh, they didn't really make any deals that like you know shipped off more of Killorn or Johnson. Uh, but Johnson, they did put him on waivers, and so yeah, and he cleared waivers with his pretty bad contract. I don't know what the plan is there. I really don't. Like I like. What you save, you save like seven hundred grand if he's in the minor leagues. But what are you gonna do? No, so maybe they're priming they're... him for a trade, or what's what's going on? What do you think? They were hoping someone would claim him. They tried to trade Johnson. No, ever finally, finally, thank you everyone. Saying no, Tampa. You know what? We're not gonna help you out of your cap troubles. Figure something out yourself. We're not gonna give you a draft pick for Tyler Johnson. And then the thing, well, we have to sign Sorelli and Sergachev. So Tyler Johnson will put on waivers. Hope that somebody claims him. And even though, you know, this is still a good player, we you know, that's what they that's what we have to do. And it's worth it because they won the Stanley Cup. They were just straight up hoping someone claims him. Detroit, Ottawa, one of these bad teams who could use a pretty good player and who also needs to, you know, get to the cap floor, someone like the Sens. And uh, no one took the bait. And so Tampa, they're not going to put him in the minors or anything just to save a little bit of cap room. I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to trade Kalorn. They might have to sweeten the pot a bit. It might be even like an Alex Kalorn for future considerations sort of thing. Johnson has a no trade, so that's the reason. He would also have to would have had to approve the trade. So you kind of get around that by putting him on waivers. If someone claims him, he doesn't have to waive his no trade. It's kind of kind of mean to do to Tyler Johnson. But, uh, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You know, Yanni Gord also has a full no trade. Andre Palat has a full no trade. These are really coming back to bite Tampa now. And uh, I don't I don't know how they're going to get out of it. But I mean, it, it does help to bring back Patrick Maroon on a two-year deal worth $900,000 a year. We were thinking, oh, this is finally Maroon. For some reason, he he know, he know uh, slipped through the cracks last year in free agency. And this year, this year he's finally going to cash in like he deserves to. And he probably could have, but for one reason or another, he chose on day one to stick around with the Lightning at under a million per for the next two years once again. Well, you know, he probably just he's chasing cups probably you know you take a yeah. discount you just want a cup you want a cup last year as well and so he's going for the four peat over here uh just this one guy and so you know ah sure cool he's 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 chasing cups he's not chasing the bag um and yeah he could have gotten more money but yeah serious cap troubles in tampa i mean whoo and now is the time to offer she bergevin now is the fucking time to offer. you know get sergeyev back get sergeyev back uh you know because you just traded away Wait, no, you still have Jouet. Never mind. I mixed up my trades. But you can have Jouet and Sergachev on the same team. How fun would that be? Yeah, uh, remember, Sergachev would have to agree to sign that offer sheet. And it seemed when he left Montreal, there was some pretty bad blood there. And I don't think he'd be too eager to come back after they said, no way we're trading him, then they trade him. But Boston, see, I was thinking of them as a p- potential uh, you know, Sergachev target now that they have that big gaping hole on left D. I'm not sure what their cap room is like. I think they have some. 11 million. 11 million. Yes, yes, they have absolutely they have plenty. And I mean, you want to offer seat Sergachev, I don't know what, uh, almost 8 million AAV. Have a hard, he probably might have a hard time saying no to that, and Tampa would have a hard time finding room to match. So that, that might be a, a fit there. Not that I would like him 
to go to the Bruins, but uh, just a thought, just a thought. I don't know if we have to talk about every team's draft class because, I mean, most people probably don't know much about a lot of these players, and we don't know a lot about many of these players. But on Tampa, um, uh, most people seem to think they had a pretty bad draft overall, especially those second-rounders, Jack Finley, Gator Gonsalves, probably should have gone a lot later. Cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure, man. I mean, these te- this, this team won a cup, so... I mean, yeah, who cares? Sure. Yeah, who really cares? All right, moving on to Toronto. This is a fun one. Uh, they had yeah. uh, they were very active. They were very active. And so we'll start with their UFA signings. Um, you know, they signed their big guy, uh, defenseman, right D, to play with Morgan Riley for the net, for the foreseeable future. They got TJ Brody uh, at $5 million per, which is a decent contract. I think it's fair. I don't think it's a bargain. I don't think it's terrible either. Uh, he's a solid guy. And so, you know, he's a nice fit in Toronto. Obviously, Tyson Berry was an absolute failure over there. And cool. Um, other guys that they signed, you know, Wayne Simmons um, for $1.5 million. He's washed, though. So, like, I don't know. What's, they're adding grit. They're adding size because that's what everybody yeah. says they need. Uh, and they do that with, with Zach Bogosian for a $1 million this year, too. And uh, I don't know what's up with Travis Boyd, but apparently they signed him. And, uh, and the consequence of all that, they have to cap dump Andreas Janssen, uh, skilled player, for... You know, Joey Anderson, who I'd never heard of before from the New Jersey Devils. And so, you know, that's what happens. They're running out of cash space. And so you trade a guy like Johnson, who's very talented. And, uh, I mean, that trade, I would say New Jersey won that one pretty handily. But uh, the signing of TJ Brody, I really like that for them, much to my much to my chagrin. Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. TJ Brody is like a perfect fit, I think. With, with Toronto. And remember, that's the one they wanted to get last year instead of Tyson Berry for Nassim Kadri in that deal. Uh, they wanted Kadri for, I think, Brody and Mark Jankowski or something was the deal. But Kadri nixed it with his, his modified no trade, or it might have been a full no trade, actually. He said, no, I don't want to go to the Flames. And so they worked out the Tyson Berry trade instead. And as you said, uh, total failure. And uh, now they're trying out the other guy, TJ Brody. Luckily for Toronto, he wanted to come and join them. And I think that's a great fit. Uh, the uh, the Janssen trade for Joey Anderson, and I think kind of the Wayne Simmons signing too, kind of uh, both seem to give off the vibe of like Kyle Dubas saying, uh, all right, everyone, all right, fine. I lost in the first round several times in a row. You want me to try this grit thing? Fine. I'll try it out. And he goes to sign Wayne Simmons, you know, kind of falling off a cliff over the past year or two. Kind of the similar thing we project to happen with Josh Anderson, actually. And uh, But maybe they're saying $1.5 million on the fourth line, maybe it could work. And, you know, face puncher man brings the energy. Maybe it could work out. And Joey Anderson is a uh, similar style, but the thing is he's still young and hasn't slowed down yet. Hasn't even really cracked the NHL full-time yet either. But he, he was a captain of uh, the USA World Junior Team, and Rachel Dory had a great thread about him on how, like, the Devils didn't really give him a full-time spot in the NHL. And, I mean, from what I gathered on that, I think maybe Joey Anderson could make the NHL right away. As good as Janssen? No, at least not at the present moment. But, uh, see, this is also the kind of thing, you know, I feel like Toronto, maybe teams are helping out a bit too much with these these cap dumps. So, you know, you give them this, this young player who could develop into a third liner, Joey Anderson, when you're a team that's desperate to get rid of, uh, to, to dump salary like Toronto is, like, I don't know. I feel especially the captain trade is a whole different level, but kind of the same idea. And Zach Bogosian and doesn't surprise Dubis signed him. Doesn't seem like the kind of player Dubis would sign with the pretty bad analytics. 
you know, it was Buffalo. He was better with Tampa, but who isn't a little bit better with Tampa? And I don't know. Well, I know Toronto isn't as good as Tampa. So, uh, you know, maybe he kind of reverts back to his old form a little bit, which isn't uh, necessarily a compliment for Zach Bogosian. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's it's another gritty signing. Uh, and their draft, I like their draft, unfortunately. Uh, yep. You know, and as I said, they took three guys to start the draft that we've already profiled. Uh, and two of them, you know, uh, like 59th and 64 for Irvin and Nimala. And so those are both steals. They take a lot of finish guys, I noticed, like in the late yeah. rounds as well. I just, eh, okay, cool. And uh, so, yeah, a nice, nice draft for the Leafs. And I, and I hate to say it. Want to do the Metropolitan Division now? Let's go. Carolina. What's up with that? Carolina Hurricanes. Signed Jesper Fast. Kind of went under the radar yesterday. But that's a really good addition, I think. As like a really good third-line winger. And that's pretty cheap, too. I thought he would cost more than that. He's 28. He signed a three-year deal. $2 million a year. And he was he was like playing on the Rangers' second line last year. with the, Or like a sort of second line. With like Panarin, Strom, and Jesper Fast. With, uh, you know, the Zibanejad's line was technically number one. But Jesper Foss was playing in the top six for New York. Will probably play, well, he will play in the, like the top nine for Carolina. And they've got some, uh, you know, some nice competition brewing now for roster spots. Foss will, will be in the on the roster, no question, I think. But, uh, you know, it also does that thing where, you know, you sign a player higher up in the lineup. And it knocks guys like Morgan Geeky, Ryan Dezingle down to a place. So instead, you know, being guaranteed a spot in the lineup that they're maybe competing for it instead. Yeah, um, and so, yeah, nice little addition. And, and really what stands out for this offseason for them is, I think, their draft, which they just, they got a bunch of steals, um, you know, just all throughout. Mm-hmm. Seth Jarvis was, you know, the best player we thought. Nice little pick there. Uh, Noel Gundler, down all the way at 41. Great <sighs> pick. Uh, ridiculous. They got my guy. They got my guy, Zion Nybeck, in the fourth round uh, at 115. They got Alexander Passion, who is, you know, rated as much better than a freaking seventh rounder. And so, you know, a lot of these guys who were falling and were like, oh, who's going to pick them? The answer was Carolina. Uh, and <laughs> so, uh, you know, it seems like they've taken the approach of they lean more towards uh, like these more consensus rankings, maybe. Maybe they're just scouts are just better. Uh, but damn, pretty, pretty spicy draft for them. Yeah, something funny I noticed about the Passion pick. Uh, was that that is the seventh rounder Carolina got from Toronto in the Marlowe trade. Remember the Marlowe trade was Patrick Marlowe and the first and a seventh to Carolina for a sixth to Toronto. Toronto took Axel Rindell with that sixth and Carolina got Jarvis with the first and Poshin with the seventh. Okay. That's well then I would, I would say that one team won that significantly. Um, yeah. Woo. Yep. Wow. Okay. That contract really went to bite them in the ass, didn't it, for Toronto? Uh, okay. Thanks, Lou. So, yeah, Columbus, moving on uh, from probably the best draft in the NHL this year. Uh, moving on to maybe the worst draft in the NHL this year, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, and, sure, I'll start with the draft since we're already there. Uh, sure. Just uh, some real some real fucking head scratchers there. They didn't have many picks. They only had four picks. Uh, obviously, Chinikov, we really... They had five? Okay. Well, then I, then I miscounted. But, uh, you know... Chinikov, we've gotten into it. We laughed at it when it happened. Uh, just completely mind blown at how this guy went in the first round. 21st overall, higher than William Wallander. And so, you know, what is going on there? And, you know, the other four guys, cool. None of those names really stand out. And, uh, you know, they got who? Samuel Knazko. Knazko. With the, uh, 
Kanaskov with the with the Domi the the pick from the Domi trade. Yeah, I don't um, like so that. So that's fun. And uh, everybody else is you know just names that I've never really heard of. And uh, yeah, just a bunch of Europeans. And yeah, actually they're they're all Europeans, which is fun. Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I I guess we know where Yarmo's head is at. Yep. Uh, anyway, so with the Trinikov pick, well, not anyway, just staying on the same topic. With the Trinikov pick, apparently he is on the verge of signing a three-year extension with his KHL team. Compound that with mm. the fact he's already an overager. Uh, he's going to be at least like 23 and a half years old by the time he could consider coming over to join the Blue Jackets in North America. Now, I know, you know, sometimes players will take a long time to develop. We kind of saw this with Kuznetsov also. He took like four or five years before he finally made the jump over to North America, and he was great for Washington. But if with your first-round pick, you're hoping that it doesn't take that long. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Trinikov, there's, there's another reason why he shouldn't you shouldn't have spent a first-round pick on him. Before we continue with Columbus, uh, the Red Wings made another signing. They signed 27-year-old Vladislav Nemesnikov to a two-year contract, $2 million a year. He can play every forward position. That's another good value deal. Uh, he jumped around a lot last year. He played for three teams, I think, like the Rangers, the Sens, and the Avalanche all in one season. But now it looks like he's settling in Detroit for the next two years, unless they trade him too, which is not at all outside of the realm of possibility. Yeah, nice little signing. Uh, and for Columbus, the, the when it comes to other moves, uh, what's going on there? They're just—it seems like they're—they're they're trading all their lower end defensemen. Um, they traded away Ryan Murray, noted second overall pick. That was uh, weird for a fifth for a fifth rounder. That's funky because really, I don't know who's gonna play on their defense. Apparently, David Savard is also on the trade block. Uh, so yet another defenseman, and so uh, and yeah, Nudavaro was I the mean, guy that they traded away. What? I mean, the Blue Jackets—they still have plenty of NHL defensemen. Like they—they kind of had a a logjam there, so it makes sense they're trading them. Uh, they've got Jones, Wierenski, Savard still might not move. Gavrikov, Dean Kukan, Scott Harrington, Gabriel Carlson are probably all, you know, very capable. But they only get a fifth rounder for Ryan Murray. I know he's injured a lot, and that's the reason why his value is so tanked. And maybe that $4.6 million is a little much for someone who's injured all the time. But when healthy, that's a very good, uh, very good skater also, top four defenseman. And when he'll probably be on New Jersey's top pair with P.K. Subban. And to only give up a fifth rounder for someone, I know he might be injured, and he probably will be as a matter of fact. But, I mean, you have a great player who's injured often is worth a fifth round pick. Then you have Eric Goodbranson is also worth a fifth round pick. Doesn't make much sense at all to me. So I, we haven't got to New Jersey yet, but that's a bad deal for Columbus at least. And in free agency, they signed Miko Koivu. So that'll be weird to see him in the not a Minnesota Wild jersey. But one year, $1.5 million, probably to be there fourth line center and Alex Wenberg replacement, I guess, for a lot cheaper. Uh fun. Fun to see Miko Koivu get a another contract. Yeah. All right. Uh off to the other trade in that the other team in that trade. So yeah, New Jersey. Uh they made that trade. Uh anything else that they do? Either draft was particularly remarkable, I thought. And yeah, Crawford was the guy that they signed. And so, you know, I guess I guess their 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 situation there is the tandem. Uh, because they bought out Corey Schneider as well. And so, yeah, with Mackenzie Blackwood, who had a good season this year. And, I mean, they get a dependable veteran guy in Corey Crawford, who, yeah, this is probably a nice situation for him, isn't it? He gets a nice chunk of change at $3.9 million for a couple of years. And, I mean, he doesn't play as much. And so a guy for that's prone to injury, as Corey Crawford is at this point in his career, I think it's a nice fit. 
Yeah, that's a big upgrade for New Jersey from Schneider to Crawford. That's a really good tandem. Now they've got Blackwood and, and Crawford. And I mean, you know, the Ryan Murray, if he can stay healthy, if Jack Hughes can take another step forward, they also they did acquire Andreas Janssen. Don't forget, upgrade to their top six. So there are, the pieces are in place there for New Jersey to show some improvement. We said that last summer. Didn't quite happen. They still uh they would love probably to fix up their defense a little bit so that they don't have, you know, Colton White in the lineup on opening night. But uh good moves so far for New Jersey's Ryan Murray, Janssen, Corey Crawford. I think they've had a pretty Good offseason. Some questionable things at the draft, notably Shakir Muhammadul in 20th overall. But overall, their free agency signing of Crawford and their trades, uh, good job. Good job for New Jersey. Passing grade. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And uh, passing grade, I would give this next team an incomplete grade because uh, what the hell have they done? And that's the New York Islanders, um, as in, like, they've done nothing. Uh, over the off season, I, I yeah, can't find any, that many trades. They've made like no signings uh, in the last like three days, and they didn't have a first round pick or a second round pick. So uh, I think it was from the Peugeot trade. And so uh, you know, cool. I mean, just they haven't done anything. I'll tell you what, because they're in a log jam right now. Uh, they have very little cap room, and they have to sign Matthew Barzell, Ryan Pollock, and Devon Taves. So that's their best forward, their best defenseman, and Devon Taves are all RFAs right now. And they need to have deals worked out. I'm looking at cap friendly right now. They have about uh, almost $9 million in cap space, which is not close to enough to sign all three of those players. Barzell will probably get at least eight Probably should get more. Ryan Pollock, I'm thinking in the $6 million range. Maybe that's a little rich. Maybe about five. And Devon Taves is probably getting, I don't know, three and a half AAV. So they're going to have to work something out. And uh, looking at all their their uh, high, their best players have no trades or modify no trades. So, I mean, you might have to sweeten the pot to get rid of, you know, the dead weight money like Andrew Ladd, Johnny Boychuk. Uh, maybe Thomas Hickey, if you can find a taker on him, probably can't without sweetening that pot too. So uh, you've got your work to do if you want to sign those guys. And that's probably why they haven't been able to make any other UFA signings because, I mean, your priority has to be Barzal Pollock. And I would assume that Lou is trying to to get rid of some of that dead money right now before he can make any other moves. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of dead money, uh, the New York Rangers... Uh, they have a Jack bunch of it. Uh, just incredible. Uh, not only in their dead money because of so many buyouts, Lundqvist and all that. But yeah, fucking Jack Johnson uh, signed to over a million dollars. Incredible. Incredible. This guy's 33 years old. He's an AHL defenseman. If, you know, I don't even think he's, a, he's terrible. This guy's terrible. And uh, he gets another contract one way, one way for Jack Johnson. Crazy. Uh, and so, you know, uh, interesting move interesting is is uh is is being very nice uh and uh Keith Kincaid uh sure I mean he's their third string goalie now right but they signed him to a one-way contract and so like cool I mean they signed him for two years too really really um okay uh under under a million but I'm not sure why they need him uh, maybe like they're trying to trade like Georgiev or something and, no 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 Keith Kincaid the only or, reason that's a one-way contract is for uh the salary, like, oh, we will give you, they have plenty of money and they might have been one of the only teams offering him a one-way contract. So what they're going to do is they'll put him on waivers when the season starts. He'll probably clear and he'll play in the minors, but he'll still get that full uh, $825,000 salary. Okay. Well, then uh, interesting signing. Uh, 
third string goalie. What's what's more to say? And uh, the one trade they made, they traded away Elias Anderson for a second round pick. So uh, he, he's the guy who threw his silver medal over the boards right at the World yep. Juniors. Um, mm-hmm. You know. And uh, other than that, he was drafted what seventh overall. And seems like this guy's a bust. Hasn't really done shit. And now he's off for a second round pick. So it looks like the Rangers are cutting their losses with that one there. And uh, yeah, he's out of there. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a bust. He was. He's been. Great in the Swedish league, I think, so far since he went last season. And it just never really fit with the Rangers. He didn't like it there. Apparently, like, you know, when he was asking for a trade and they, like, suspended him and, and stuff and didn't let him play. So I think hopefully he can, you know, get it going again with the LA Kings. And I think that might be a, a good fit. And he'll probably he'll play right away, I think, in the bottom six. But Jack Johnson, though. Jack Johnson. Man, the Rangers, it looked like they were on pretty good track with their rebuild. They get lucky a couple draft lotteries in a row. They get Panarin. Adam Fox looks great. Igor Shesterkin looks great. Now they signed Jack Johnson. And if he's playing in the lineup, then uh, honestly, he's so, you can probably kiss your playoff chances goodbye if he's playing yeah. 16 minutes a night. Then you're, you're getting scored against. Or even like mm-hmm. five minutes at night. Because like, fuck, as to when, when this guy's a turnstile on the ice. Yeah. yeah. If you find uh-huh. him on the ice. You're gonna get scored on, absolutely. And if you're and if you're pairing him with Tony D'Angelo, which seems to be like you know that's your bottom pair, and you probably want D'Angelo on the ice, you know, pretty often considering how uh, how many points he scored last year. Even though I think a lot of them were in the power play, actually. But man, Jack, the Rangers probably weren't gonna make the playoffs to begin with. Jack Johnson plummets their odds very much if he's playing, and I, there's no rationale. There's no possible reason why you say why you want to sign Jack Johnson, like. Brendan Smith would have been your bottom pair left defenseman if you didn't do that. There are so many bottom pair left defensemen available that are sure maybe cheaper to for one and uh good. Well, not not even good is such a like Jack jo- that it can step over the bar of Jack Johnson. We talked about it so yeah. much when Pittsburgh played Montreal. He's he's just he's not good. That's all there is to it. Like forget getting out of the defensive zone. He can barely get the puck inside the defensive zone. You get everything he does or it did against in that Montreal series seemed to contribute to Montreal's victory. So, uh, yeah, worst player in the NHL and the Rangers, uh, yeah, someone, someone, I saw a tweet that was like, uh, Jack Johnson doesn't deserve the Rangers, but the Rangers deserve Jack Johnson. <laughs> That's about right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anybody who brings as much negative value to a team as Jack Johnson does. He's just, he's just bad, man. Um, and so signing him for over a million dollars makes no sense whatsoever. Um, especially as he was just bought out. So or was yeah he was just bought out. Uh, so yeah. yeah, moving on Philadelphia. Wow, we're already we're already topping an hour here, uh, and we haven't even made it out of the East. Uh, so yeah, well we spent Philly. a lot of time on Montreal, um, so not too true. not too true. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Philly, another team. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. As in, like they haven't really done much. They signed Derek Pouliot to uh, a two way contract, so like that's about it. They have a chunk of cap space. Maybe they'll go after somebody. Uh, you know uh, who's left. I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But they got a chunk of chat cap space. They seemingly, given what their season was like, wanna really make a deep playoff run next year. And so maybe they're chasing one of these big fish that are left in the UFA. Yeah, uh well, I mean Matt Niskanen retired. That was kind of a blow. So maybe you're thinking, oh, Petrangelo, could that be a fit with the Flyers? It looks a lot like Petrangelo is gonna go to Vegas now that he's flown there to visit with them. Seems like quite the leap to make. Don't know how they make that work. But uh, I haven't really heard Philadelphia's name actually linked to Petrangelo. Uh, Justin Braun, they re-upped. Hopefully he's, his role isn't much more than a bottom pair role. But yeah, they have not been 
very busy. They had a good draft, pretty good draft. Forrester, decent first rounder, getting a Emil Andre in round two. I think that was pretty nice. They only had five picks, but I think they got good value at pretty much all of them. Yeah, decent stuff. Uh, and so Pittsburgh, um, I mean, let's see. We talked about the Murray trade. I think that's a decent haul for Matt Murray. You ask me, like second round pick. He was your backup at this point. Uh, and so, I mean, and there were so many goalies too. So that's a solid one right there. In terms of signings, um, have they really done much? And Not really. They um, got uh, Mark Jankowski. They, yeah, they got Jankowski. They re-signed. Well, they didn't re-sign. They signed Evan Rajig, guys, who, just, <laughs> who they just traded away for Kapanen, right? And so, you know. Yeah, Toronto didn't cool. qualify him. He became a UFA. And Pittsburgh brought him back. So, uh, I mean, optics on that are good for Pittsburgh. But overall in the trade, uh, they're still definitely the losers there. Jankowski, oh, Rodriguez, fourth liners. Uh, they signed Josh Curry, good AHLer. A couple other good AHLers. Frederick Gaudreau, I remember, actually, a couple of years ago in the finals when he was with Nashville. He was like this no-namer in the AHL who drew into some games in the Stanley Cup Finals and I think like scored a couple goals or something. So that seems like the kind of thing, even though he's barely played in the NHL since then, Pittsburgh, or Jim Rutherford specifically, has that in the back of his mind. Like, oh, this is the guy who scored against us in the Finals. Maybe we should bring him into our team. So I don't know if that's probably what, what, go, what was going on there, but I would not be surprised. Yeah. All right. So a whole hum offseason. Uh, or no, not a whole hum off season. Just a whole hum last three days for Pittsburgh. Yeah. As uh, Jim Jim Rutherford takes a break from his crazy moves, and so you know, still he still got some, he still got the uh, plenty of off season left for Jr. to make some crazy calls. As I said before, if you're Bergevin, you're ringing the guy every day as you wake up. Uh, moving on to the last team in the East, uh, Washington, and uh, yeah, a team that I'm pretty sure is. Let's see, yeah, they're very close to the cap. They have no cap space. It might be even a bit over. And so, you know, they made some small moves. I, they signed Trevor Van Riemsdyk for a year for like 800 grand. That's a nice signing for their defense. Uh, mm-hmm. He's an NHL guy. And so, uh, yeah, pretty good. They signed Justin Schultz for two two years for $4 million. That seems like a lot for Justin Schultz. Um, hey, yeah, I don't do know. There? That's a decent value, I think. They signed a bunch of right defensemen. You're saying Justin Schultz will probably be playing on their second pair. I feel like there might have been like a Michael Kempney injury that might keep him out of the lineup or something, unless I'm just misremembering. Uh, but I don't know. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, like Paul Ledoux, both like depth right defensemen. Uh, so some people are saying maybe Nick Jensen is on the trade block. Wouldn't be surprising, honestly, if Washington wanted to try to find a taker for Nick Jensen and his old, kind of an expensive contract. And the biggest uh, name there is Henrik Lundqvist, the new uh, tandem goalie there, p- probably backup actually to Ilya Samsonov. And very weird to see him in that Capitals jersey. Not even him, honestly, just to see, you know, like the Photoshop with the Capitals jersey and his new number 35 on the back there. Weird. weird. Not quite Martin Brodeur with the St. Louis Blues weird, but still very weird, especially considering the Rangers and Capitals played each other so often in the playoffs and Lundqvist came out on the winning end so often. Kind of weird to see. And uh, just a couple minutes ago, Washington signed former Montreal Canadian legend Daniel Carr to a one-year, two-way contract. <laughs> Good for him. Good for Danny Carr. Been a while. Been a while. And yeah, Henrik Lundqvist, that is a weird look, man. They they put that on Twitter, uh, the picture of him, you know, photoshopped in a, in a, in a Capitals jersey. And uh, it just don't look right, man. He's in red. He should be in blue. Uh, yeah, really all our lives, he's been uh, a Ranger. 
And so to see him in a completely different color, like the contract between red and blue is huge color-wise, but also, yeah, division rival uh, in the Capitals. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's a nice signing, I got to say. Um, I mean, who knows how much he's got left in the tank, but he's not going to be the starter there at all. Hell, I don't think it's a tandem. I think it's Samsonov who's got the job there. Yeah. Uh, so I guess sliding over to the West now, we can let's go to the Pacific, starting with the Ducks. Uh, they had a, a good draft, I think. Very Pretty good value at almost every pick. Uh, they took Sam Colangelo passing on uh, Noel Gundler, which was, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't have done that, but it's not the worst thing in the world as long as, you know, it's not Roby Jarvencia, Sam Colangelo, that was his range. And uh, it's been pretty successful all season so far, getting a fifth rounder for Good Branson and then replacing Good Branson with Kevin Shattenkirk getting, first of all, $100,000 cheaper than Good Branson was against the cap. It's a $3.9 million signed for three years. And Kevin Shattenkirk is way better than Eric Good Branson. That, that really rounds out the top four for Anaheim nicely. Fowler, Manson, Hampus Lindholm. And Kevin Shattenkirk, that's a legitimate top four. Uh, I was looking a couple years ago, like Anaheim had like the best young defense in the NHL. Then all of a sudden, you uh, give Shea Theodore to Vegas, you trade Sammy Vatten, and you trade Brandon Montour, and uh, now all of a sudden, Brendan Gooley is playing in your top four. So I guess Kevin Shattenkirk kind of you know rounds it out a little, little more nicely. Uh, probably you know Jamie Drysdale shouldn't be too long before he's ready to jump into the lineup and hop up the depth chart. But uh, for the time being, I think that uh, that plugs a hole really well. Yeah, I, I completely forgot that the Ducks were the team that drafted Drysdale. Uh, and so, hey, that's, that's nice. And uh, Derek Grant, they signed for three years. Um, that's, yeah, it, I that think that's like his bit, third that, stint with Anaheim rich. now. Yeah, what the heck? Um, I mean, I sure, man. Is he worth $4.5 million over three years? I don't know if I'd give Derek Grant three years, but... Was there really a market for Derek Grant to the point where we need to give him three years? That's that's a bit of a question, I don't right? Think so. But yeah, you guys, yeah, like who the hell's yeah, anyways. Why are you signing? Yeah, so I guess years? this is one that's of the thirteen contracts yeah. signed over the past three days that's longer than two years. Where I think I think this was before we start recording. I showed you the cat friendly tweet that was like there have been 119 deals over the past three days, and only thirteen of them were longer than two years. Uh Derek Grant, that's one of them. Wow. That's yeah, it's really been barren in terms of long-term deals here this offseason and yeah Derek Grant that just goes to show he's top 13 in contract length uh when Derek Grant is top 13 in anything that's fucking remarkable um okay. for forwards on Next the ducks, is... top 13 there <laughs> true uh, other than that yeah of course all right Arizona um you know another team where it's just like you know, it's, it's kind of a shit show over there and so yeah they signed some guys who you might see on the trade deadline, uh, you know, Tyler Pitlick. Sure, uh, he was on the Oilers, right? And that's that's fun. That's cool. Um, you know, and you, you look at the number, the contracts that they signed, Jordan Gross, Dryden Hunt, um, John Hayden. Who are these guys? And yeah. so, you know, and they got their second round pick taken away because they were clowning around with prospects. And so their highest pick for a rebuilding team was in the fourth round. 111th overall crazy um and so very well, why have the first overall pick when you can have the one 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 pick that's three times as good <laughs> exactly and uh mitchell miller just so much better than Alexi lafreniere uh i gotta <laughs> say and uh yeah so i don't even know if he's better than Alexi lafreniere um and uh you know Probably just not. cool cool just i it just it's another moribund franchise who year in year out you look at them and what they're doing and you're like okay all right you're not getting better anytime soon 
I'm wondering about these guys like Johan Larson, Tyler Pitlick, John Hayden, who probably had at least a couple other teams call and offer similar contracts, especially Johan Larson, only 1.4 million. That's probably a steal. Uh, what's the, why do you say, hmm, you know, Arizona, that's the team for me. Like uh, it's very warm there for one, maybe that's appealing to some people, but really what, what's the good part of playing for that team? Besides the only thing I can think of would be absolutely no pressure and no expectations to succeed, which maybe yeah. appeals to some people, maybe, maybe a little bit concerning for someone who's hopefully, you know, trying to make the playoffs and go on a deep playoff run which I know the Coyotes probably don't expect to do. Hopefully they don't expect to. But really, like, I don't know, the, the mindset of uh, of a player who's like, Arizona, that's the spot for me. It's weird, weird thing to, to study and learn about. Yeah, well, you know, these guys, there's nobody, there's nobody, you know, there's no big names here. Like, the biggest name is probably, who did you say, Johan Larson? Like, yeah. I mean, like... Third line center. Third line center, and like where the thing is, where are you going to get more ice time than in Arizona? Because nobody's there, uh, and uh, you know, so you know, you're just trying to secure some ice time, extend because these guys, you know, you have a very limited career in the NHL, and so you get some more playing time, you get better minutes than you would on a on a good team, right? And you know, maybe pump up your value a bit and really lengthen your career because you know when you're a guy and you're really in like the the doldrums of uh, you know NHL free agents like your johan larson's or not not even the johan larson the guys that are below johan larson that they signed like tyler pitlick you're just trying to extend your career at this point right uh trying to make a living and so you know get some nice ice time in arizona you have nobody literally nobody COVID or not nobody that you're playing in front of and so you know yeah that's that it's the only reason really uh i know i'm stretching grasping at straws here but i can't think of any other reasons why you would want to play in arizona either all right uh, Calgary Flames, also known as uh, the Canucks, but stealing. And uh, wait, no, I messed that joke. I meant to say the Canucks were more expensive because they're stealing players from the Canucks. Three now players who were with the Canucks last year who the Flames have signed in UFA. Jakob Markstrom and Chris Tanov, obviously the two prominent ones. Louis Domingue as a third string goalie. Also, they, they steal away from, from Vancouver. So, the, I mean, the Markstrom signing makes the Flames way better. And you're afraid, you know, six-year deal kind of seems like a lot. Six million dollars against the cap, though. I was expecting higher, to be honest, especially after that Mer- Matt Murray contract broke earlier. So I don't think this is too bad of a deal for Calgary. I think this is the best goalie they've had since, like, since Mika Kiprasov retired. And um, so I think this really boost gives a big boost to the Calgary Flames, signing this really good number one goalie. David Riddick will be a really good backup. And I think the Flames will be back in the playoffs. And I haven't been such a such a big fan or believer in the Flames recently. And this this really changes my opinion on them. Yeah, I mean, goaltending has been such a problem, right? Uh, when you're starting, I don't know, Cam Talbot in the playoffs. I understand he was nice. He performed pretty well. But, I mean, come on, guys. He's Cam Talbot. And so you're getting a bona fide starter in Jacob Markstrom. And, yeah, I mean, less than Matt Murray. That's kind of wild. I mean, Markstrom could have very plausibly... Was he a Vezina finalist? He, you, No, he wasn't. But no. he very well could have been a Vezina finalist, given how he really... Like, Vancouver had no defense whatsoever, really. They were just go, go, go on the offense. And so, you know, it's just... Uh, he carried that team. He carried that team. Uh, and to see him get $6 million, kind of funky. You were going to have to give out one... You were going to have to give at least on one of them, either term or cap hit. And, you know, six years is, is long. It's long. Not going to lie, but you get that bona fide starter. So good for Calgary. Chris Tanev, 
There's the big one. Four years, four and a half million dollars. Uh, I don't think he's very good. Uh, so, you know, why are you overpaying for Chris Tanev? Uh, really, what the hell is going on there? Uh, second straight Tanev, who's been overpaid uh, in the second straight offseason. And uh, yeah, yikes. It's not a nice contract. Not a nice contract. Yeah, but at least for the time being, like just looking at next year, so you can definitely still play in the top four, and they have a top four now, like after losing Brody. Travis Hamannick hasn't signed anywhere yet, but I mean, we don't count on him coming back to Calgary. Uh, you got Giordano, Hannafin, Tanev, and Rasmus Anderson. You still got work to do to fill out that bottom pair, unless you really think like Yusuf Alamaki and Oliver Shillington can bury the lo- can uh, carry the load. And I mean, you signed some like college players a couple months ago, Colton Poolman. Connor Mackey, uh, Johannes Kindval out of Sweden. So maybe these are players you think can step in. But uh, I'd be tempted to try to sign another bottom pair defenseman before the season started. A, more, a little bit more of a known quantity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Edmonton. That's always it's always a fun team, isn't it? Yeah. They're always so always. Fun. Um. Uh. And it's it was they made some they were some good and there were some very bad. And so let's start with the good because you know why not. They signed a bunch of nice players. Signed, you know, they signed Pooley Arvey uh, to that's like good. a one-year con. That yeah, two two-year contract actually. Uh, that's very mm-hmm. good, you know. A guy who, what the hell was going on? Had to have like double hip surgery, and so you know, you kind of maybe get him back on track, give him a two-year deal. That's nice. He's not a total bust just yet. Um, Tyler, Al- you t- you you signed. I think you re-signed, right? He was on the team. Yeah, you re-signed Tyler Ennis uh, for a million dollars. He can be a nice producer. Anton Forsberg is a solid third-string goalie. We'll get to the other goalies in a second on this team. <laughs> Kyle Turris, very nice contract. $1.6 million straight up. And what, two years? Solid stuff. I mean, I'm just listing a bunch of nice moves for a team that's supposed to make the playoffs. Tyson Berry, there's the big one. Very nice contract. $3.75 million. I understand he was a he was had a terrible season this year with the Leafs, but it wasn't a fit. He was, he was pretty good with the, the Avalanche before that. Offensive defenseman. That's nice. You'd like to see maybe some defensive help over there uh, in the defensive zone for the Please Oilers. Alan Quine. But, you know, and and of course Alan Quine, seven hundred and fifty grand. Very nice, very very nice. And you know, we're looking good. And Edmonton's on track. It's like okay, Edmonton fans, they seem to be pretty happy. And then comes the last contract they've signed, Mike fucking Smith again. Mike Smith, <laughs> thirty eight years old. They signed him for one year. What one and a half million dollars? Yep. Oh my God! What are they doing? Um, clearly goaltending was a big problem here in Edmonton. Yeah, you know, he's just inconsistent. Koskinen's nice sometimes, but he's inconsistent. And Mike Smith is a black hole of a goalie. Um, who I'm sorry, he's 38 years old. He's not very good anymore. And they resigned him. <laughs> they looked at their tandem from last year, Smith and Koskinen, and said, "You know what? Let's do it again. Let's do it again." And so. Wow, sending Oilers fans straight to their misery. Uh, just, wow, Ken Holland really flipped the switch on that one in a yep. negative way. I'll start with Mike Smith. Um, yeah, so the running back is the same tandem. Very bad idea. We talked a lot about how the recipe for success with goaltending, you, you can't have your starter play too much. Hopefully not more than like 55, maybe. Uh, yeah, probably 55 is like the cap you want if you want to make a deep playoff run. Uh, but with the Oilers, man, Koskinen, you gotta have him play like I don't know more than sixty because Mike Smith, twenty games probably you want to max 
Mike Smith, 20 games if you want to make the playoffs. It's just, it's a bad backup. It's not an NHL goalie anymore, Mike Smith. He isn't. And there wasn't much available. Maybe if everyone else chose another team, there might be nothing you can do about that. Markstrom chose Calgary. Holtby chose the Canucks. And you're all out of options. I mean, Mike Smith still. Don't, don't sign. We know that doesn't work. Mike Smith is make a trade. Try out Aaron Dell. You have to try something different because we know Mike Smith doesn't work. We know Mike Smith isn't an NHL goalie anymore. And overall, looking at the Oilers' other deals, uh, it's all right. Puliarvi, that's a good one. That's a really good one. But Tyler Ennis, yeah, that's a good one too. But with Kyle Turris, Tyson Berry, the big ones in a vacuum, those are really good value contracts. But with the Oilers, Remember, we were talking in their series against Chicago that they lost, and big disappointment. They couldn't defend. Terrible defense. And you're signing Kyle Turris, terrible defensively, for pretty much his whole career. He's really been an offensive player. And Tyson Berry, a terrible defensive defenseman also. He's he uh, he's a power play. That's, that's where he gets his bread and butter, per se, or at least where he did with the Avalanche. So uh, these two signings seem like, Good value, good good term, obviously good contracts. But for another team, that would have been a lot better because it just it doesn't seem to fit with the Oilers, and it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that really that really gets what they need and really tangibly improves them. Yeah, I mean, I look at the Oilers now, and yeah, they have a couple. They had a couple of nice contracts, but is this you know a deep playoff team? Even with McDavid and Drysaddle, I don't think so. Um, you know, they're just. I mean, you take away, I know it's taken away a lot, but you take away McDavid and Drysdale, this team's dog shit. And so, you know, it's just like, yeah, that team is still carried. You'd like to, you'd like to see them for once be surrounded by a nice supporting cast, those two. But man, um, they're not. They're not. It's just, it's not a very well-built team. Uh, and I think Shirelli screwed them. Holland's not doing, you know, great there in Edmonton. And uh, yeah, you hate to see it for McDavid. You know? And not to mention, yeah. Oscar Clefbaum probably is out for very long term. And people are yeah. saying like he might miss the entirety of next season. And we don't even know when next season is starting. And I think that's going to hurt the Oilers a lot more than people are expecting. Because that's their best defenseman. And now their best defenseman without him is Darnell Nurse, I suppose. you got Nurse, Bear, Tyson Berry, uh, Caleb Jones, Adam Larson. Maybe Evan Bouchard will make the team. Or maybe Chris Russell is still, still there. So it uh, doesn't inspire too much confidence their defense. But I mean, what else is new? No, it doesn't. All right. Uh, moving on to L.A. And, uh, you know, they haven't done much. It's a rebuilding team. And uh, other than they had, they had a decent draft. Obviously, they took the guy that we liked better at second overall, Byfield, 35. Helga Grants is a solid pick. Brock Fabra, 45. I mean, sure. <laughs> and uh, they got they got uh, the knockoff Lafreniere with Alex Lafreniere. Yeah, they traded uh, up for Brock Faber six spots, which I didn't love. Uh, don't love the pick either, but uh, yeah, decent. Byfield's good, of course. Helga Grand's decent value. Simone Tavala, Martin Kromiak was a steal in the fifth round, so the Kings had a pretty good draft. Pretty good. Uh, one of the one of the probably top ten in the NHL in terms of uh, who had a good draft. Yeah, and they got Lias Anderson, who we mentioned earlier, and so you know a decent. You know, it's just it's they're not doing much, and I you know it's uh they're rebuilding here. You know, what can mm-hmm. they do? Right. Next up, we've got the Sharks. San Jose Sharks. Uh, nothing right away comes to mind that they've done. Maybe it's because they haven't done. Oh, they signed Stefan Nason. They've re-signed him. And they extended the RFA Kevin LeBanc, who you might remember last year. Uh, everyone was He got like a one-year, $1 million contract. And everyone was saying that's extremely ridiculous that he only signed for a $1 million. And uh, now it looks like that. that now it's where San Jose's kind of 
kind of paying up because four years, 4.725 is uh, a bit much, a bit rich for Kevin LeBanc. And uh, really, you know, kind of balances out. You get him on a bargain for one year, try and make a run, end up being one of the very worst teams in the NHL. And now you're you're paying up with another expensive contract. Yeah. And Kevin LeBanc did not have a good season this year. Um, he had 33 points in 70 games. And so, well, nobody on that team had a good season. But yeah, it seems like they did have an agreement in the end uh, after he took that big time bargain last year um, that he was going to get paid this year despite his bad season. And so, yeah, I think it's a lot. It's a lot for Kevin LeBanc. Uh, almost $5 million for four years. I mean, he's a nice piece, but that is too much money for him. I'm sorry. But, I mean, I guess that's the price of they wanted to go for it this year, and so they, they had him at a million, and now you're paying up. Mm-hmm. The Vancouver Canucks, man. Man, what a, this, this, we saw this coming. We didn't know when. We knew it was going to happen. All of Jim Benning's July 1st contracts are catching up to him now. Tyler Myers, $6 million AAV. Louis Erickson, $6 million AAV. Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, $3 million each. Brandon Sutter's getting over four. It's ridiculous. And now it's, it's catching up to them because they can't afford to bring back Jakob Markstrom. They can't afford to bring back Chris Tanev. Because they're going to have to sign Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes to new contracts next season. They can't afford to qualify their best right shot defenseman, Troy Stetcher, who goes to sign a great value deal with the Red Wings. And now your right side of your defense is Tyler Myers, Brogan Rafferty, and I don't even know who Jack Rathbone. Can he play the right? Jordy Ben, maybe. They'll have him play on his offside. It's ridiculous. It's bad news for Vancouver right now. Because Jim Benning, he said in an interview, it's so hard now with a flat cap. To, to shed cap space. No, Jim, it's not the flat cap. It's not That's not the reason why. The reason why is, or see, if it were the flat cap, then Andreas Janssen, he was traded fine. He was traded, he got, got some value in return. Erica Branson, you got a, they got a draft pick for Erica Branson. You can't trade your, your, your dead money because it's so much worse. Tyler Myers, Louis Erickson, Brandon Sutter, Jay Beagle. Who wants, nobody wants that. That's why you need so many sweeteners and you're desperate to get rid of them because your right side of the defense is totally decimated now and you can only afford to sign Braden Holtby to $4.3 million a year to tandem with Thatcher Demko and you can't afford to retain your own players and it's going to be very hard for you to sign the likes of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes because you wasted so much money on terrible contracts, so many terrible contracts. <sighs> yeah, um, it's just <laughs> it's like go red Jim betting. You said it. It's caught up to them. Um, all the all the bad contracts. Um, it's just wow, just remarkable. And then you add another two year contract. And so you know the big off season for them in terms of signing their guys, I believe, or at least Pedersen, um, is next year. Right. And Holtby's another guy who goes over that year uh, because he got two years. And so, you know, it's just completely brutal. And yeah, you said the players that they have uh, who are dead money or, you know, just dead weight on that team are completely terrible. They're washed, all of them. Well, they were, were, it was already a terrible contract from day one, right? And they're just even more washed now. They're even, yeah, it's just like a car that completely depreciated his value. Uh, Another guy that they lost. Who you know deadline acquisition Tyler Toffoli completely unable to sign him uh, because of that and yeah I think Troy Stetcher is a huge loss because you you named it with that right defense is completely atrocious now and I mean it would have been pretty bad even with Stetcher but it just goes to show like like I think it's an underrated loss there and you see what he got as a contract super cheap 
And so you're telling me you couldn't send it's just a complete disaster over in Vancouver in terms of cap situation. Um, yeah, it was coming. It was inevitable. This this whole this whole Jim Banning thing, these contracts were eventually gonna catch up and they have. And it's a complete fucking disaster over there because you're you're gonna look at one of them, one of them core guys probably gonna be on the trade block soon. Um, uh-huh. we've already started seeing rumors. I'm not saying it's a certainty, obviously, but we've seen the rumors and that's very concerning, uh, because that young core is the future. And if you have to trade one of them away, just because you don't have enough fucking cap space, uh, it's a complete failure on, uh, Jim Banning's part. Yeah. Patterson and Quinn Hughes are both going into their last years of their ELCs now. So they are actually, they're eligible to sign extensions now, but they wouldn't kick until the 2021, 22 season, which is also the last year of Louis Erickson's contract, the last year of Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel's, Tyler Mott's new contract. So all of those deals, I mean, they shouldn't have been signed to begin with, but one year too many because they line up at exactly the wrong spot for where Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are starting out. I mean, Tyler Meyer is also three years too many, but, uh, but yeah, now, and you just talk about Braden Holtby also, I think, uh, they're expecting Seattle maybe to take him because I know that does meet the exposure requirements now, and maybe Seattle would like that goalie with uh, cup pedigree. But um, there will be other good goalies available, so I don't think Vancouver can count on Seattle taking Holtby. That may be a sweetener, but we saw those expansion sweeteners work last time. I'd I'd advise teams to stay away from that. So Vancouver in a very rough spot now, and it's by their own doing. It's because of all the terrible contracts they've signed over the past four years during free agency yeah yeah absolutely uh moving on to the last team in the division you got vegas uh another team who you know they're completely capped out uh, i think they're like firmly in the negative but they made some they made a nice move shedding paul stastny's uh pretty bad contract over there he, he returns to winnipeg six and a half million dollars uh and what they got assets for paul stastny that's it's kind of still wild. good um, he's I still mean, pretty good and he's only got a year yeah yeah okay but yeah so they, they set some cap um, you know, signings. I mean, they really couldn't sign much. Uh, they resigned Thomas Nozak. They got Thomas Jerko. They resigned their first ever player, Reed Duke. Um, yeah, for for one more year, which is fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're just capped out, and that's Vegas right now. And yeah, you you talked about rumors for Petrangelo. He's visiting in Vegas. That's crazy for me because how is he gonna? Where's the money? The trade um, flurry. That's um, how. Yeah, that's that's it, isn't it? But like, where is he gonna go? Like apparently teams don't want him at all. Like they need they need a big time sweetener. Apparently, I think I think that was a rumor I saw on Twitter. It was you know teams just don't want to take him at all, even with a small sweetener. Uh, Vegas is gonna have to give up something big in order to get rid of his contract. If you can get Petrangelo, it's worth it's worth giving up a sweetener for Flurry to get to get Petrangelo. Yeah. You know, one of the top five defensemen in the NHL. You add him to your team that just made the conference finals. Uh, that that's worth it. That's worth it. So I think. You Vegas, if they get Petrangelo for, I don't know, probably about eight and a half million per, and then you trade Flurry along with, I don't know what you have to to give up a first round pick maybe probably not that much because Flurry he's not like he's washed like Patrick Marlowe. he can still be a pretty good goalie probably, so I think um I think I think Petrangelo ends up going to Vegas, and I think they end up trading Flurry in order to make the money work. But besides that, yeah, they traded Stasny. Uh, they're probably hoping that, I don't know, Cody Glass or Chandler Stevenson can fill in the shoes in the as the number two center there now that Paul Stasny's gone. I think that's a pretty decent bet to make. They still have a very very good roster, of course, without Paul Stasny there on the second-line center. Yeah, I mean, next season, it's looking like it's going to be really a two-horse race uh, between the two juggernauts in the West, and that's, uh, you know, Vegas and Colorado. And Colorado looks like it's got the lead right now in terms of talent on paper. Uh, but 
Yeah, you had Petrangelo. Now you're really fucking talking for Vegas. Um, that team is already very dangerous the way they play, uh, you know, possession, possession, and they're very good at it. And so, yeah, watch out. If he goes to Vegas, man. Now, now we're looking at three teams, you know, Colorado, Tampa, and Vegas, where they're just completely stacked head to toe uh, in the position because they, they even got Laner back. And it's, yeah, three th- those three teams are, I think, by far the cup favorites, especially if Vegas manages to get potential. Central Division, last one. You start with the Chicago Blackhawks, who apparently are going into next season or intend on going into next season with uh, Malcolm Subban and either yeah. Colin Delia or Kevin Lankinen as their goaltending tandem. We were looking at the Blackhawks. That's a team that needs a starting goalie. They're not signing Crawford. So what, what are they going to do? They're going to make a run at Leonard or Markstrom or someone, or are they going to try to trade for Fleury? Uh, maybe not. Maybe they're really going to go into next season with these goalies as their goalies. And I mean, I think that spells doom to be totally honest if they do that. And not to mention, they made a pretty bad trade also last night, a very bad trade. Second trade in a row. They've lost involving Brandon Saad. They trade Brandon Saad to the avalanche as if they needed another, uh, another good top six player, Brandon Saad and Dennis Gilbert to Colorado for Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm makes absolutely no sense. The only thing it does is save some cap space. Because now they've signed Zadorov to a uh, one-year, three-point-two million dollar contract, which was his qualifying offer, I think. Um, that's probably a little expensive for a bottom pair defenseman like Nikita Zadorov. So they did save some cap space, but they've also now overpaid a player significantly less valuable than Brandon Saad. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't understand that deal except for we wanted a defenseman. That's really all there is to it, I think. Yeah, this is this team seems like it's a mess right now. Are they rebuilding? It kind of seems like it. Like you don't have, you didn't go after a goalie, and so if Malcolm Subban's your best goalie right now, it can't get much. Like it doesn't look like it's going to get much better. Maybe you'll get Flurry. Who knows? That's best case scenario at this point for that position. And so it looks like all signs point to a rebuild. Uh, and then you look at that trade. It makes no sense. It really is. You know, you can scratch out Gilbert and Lindholm. It's really kind of a one for one there. It's Zadora for Sad, and that makes no sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Um, are you trying to save money? Because the Blackhawks are not lacking cap space. They can afford to keep Brandon Sad. He's only got one year left on his contract. Um, and they retained a million dollars on his contract too. So, you know, Colorado uh, gets him for, uh, you know, a bottom pair defenseman. who wasn't even signed and it's $3.2 million. Not very fucking good. And so, you know, you're just getting it. It seems like a one for one. You're getting the worst player out of here. Uh, the the Blackhawks are. And so, yeah, just a very perplexing deal. Just no idea what's going on. Maybe they want to get younger, but Zadora's not very good. So He's barely younger. It's like a year or two. Yeah, so confusing. Other than that, they signed... uh, Yeah, Kubalik was up for a contract. I didn't know that. Fresh off his rookie of the... Or Calder nominee... Yeah, because uh, he was so and old so... when he signed his ELC. He wasn't so old. He was like 23 or 24 when he signed his ELC, so that's why he was only a year long. Yeah, so what, $3.7 million for two years? I mean, sure, he looks very promising. Uh, it's an RFA, it's your standard RFA contract. And so pretty good deal there. But uh, yeah, those those couple moves. Not getting a goalie and, you know, Zadorov for Saad is, 
just some some serious head scratchers. It doesn't seem like they have much of a direction over there in that organization. Yeah, and it's not like, it's not like they had a surplus of wingers either in Chicago. Like unless you think maybe Evan Barrett can make the team, if you want to count on that, which maybe you can. But if not, then you've just turned Matthew Highmore into a third liner, a Ryan Carpenter into a third liner, or something. So I mean, good luck Chicago. Moving on to the team that got Brandon Saad. Colorado. One of the reasons why I think Saad is such a good fit with the Avalanche is because he only has that one year left. So he's going to be walking next year, probably uh, right when Kel McCarr is up for a new contract and Gabriel Landeskog also is up for a new contract. So that's why it made so much sense now for Colorado to try and, you know, acquire these great players with only a year left on their contract and go for a run for it now because, well, next year they can walk. We don't have to worry about the cap it as we extend Kale McCarr and Gabriel Landeskog and remain very good. So Brandon Saad is that type of player. You lose the door off, but, I mean, you already kind of had a logjam at left defense now. Now Ian Cole can play on on the left side where he's probably better because he's a left shot. You've got Ryan Graves, Samuel Girard, Ian Cole on your left side. Kale McCarr, Eric Johnson, and probably Connor Timmons on the right side. Or maybe Bowen Byron will even make the team. Surprise some people. And uh, so I don't think the loss of Nikita Zadorov will be felt too strongly uh, for Colorado on the ice. And uh, Brandon Saad will provide a very big boost to, to the forward group, I think. And they extend Valerie Nachushkin, have some AHL depth signings, for Sherwood, uh, Mika Salamaki. So uh, that Saad trade was the big thing. And uh, I think that's an A-plus move from Joe Sackick. 100%. And yeah, it's the, it's the contract thing, right, for them. Uh, the Avalanche are coming up on some big contracts. And uh, yeah, one year, they have they still have like $10 million. Like they can, you know, the, the nightmare scenario if you're like literally anybody else in the league is that they offer like Taylor Hall the rest of that cap space for one year. Like come with a, come win a cup for us for $9 million um, for one year. And then you can go and chase another contract afterwards. And so, you know, they still got lots of cap flexibility. They can still take on some lots of you know, money for this year, just this one year. Uh, because, yeah, they made the sod trade. They still have $10 million left. So, mm-hmm. you know, look out for more moves from the Avalanche in the next coming days. Yeah, they've still got Ryan Graves to sign, which uh, will probably cost uh, at least a few million. But, I mean, you know, if you can sign Taylor Hall, just trade Ryan Graves, honestly. <laughs> like, uh, it, yeah. it's worth it for, for signing Taylor Hall for the year, I think. Uh, Dallas, next team in the Central, they uh, re-upped Anton Hudobin. For the longest contract of his career, three years at three point three 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 million dollars a year. I, I thought he wouldn't be coming back to be honest. I thought he'd be going off, maybe try to be a starter somewhere. Maybe he is like gonna tandem with Ben Bishop. Maybe they'll split games more often now. Uh but I mean he did well with Dallas, so maybe he'll wanna stick around. They bring in Mark Pissick, uh defenseman slash forward, only on seven hundred fifty thousand, which was surprising. He only got league men for uh, an everyday roster player, for sure. And uh, just before we started recording, Radek Faxa gets a five-year deal, $3.25 million a year. Yeah, so uh, that Faxa deal is long, and it's a lot for Radek Faxa, I think. Um, So, you know, sure, that might not be too nice in like three years. Um, But the Hudobin sign, and I really like it. I mean, this this guy's been the best backup in the league for years now. He was very good in Boston, and he was... I mean, you saw how it was in Dallas. He could take over as a starter. And I thought, too, this guy would go maybe chase some starter money. And, I mean, no, he didn't. He just stayed. He's going to be, you know, backup. Maybe he'll be the tandem starter with Bishop if he can't stay healthy. Uh, And pretty reasonable cap hit. 
Uh, he's 34, so you know he's got some years left. Goalies like him, backups, right? They they still got tread on the tires because they don't play too much. And yeah, he definitely looked like he still had it. I mean, in the playoffs, right? And 3.3 million, very nice. I think it's very nice. And I mean, among the best tandems in the NHL heading into next season, if Bishop can stay healthy. Minnesota Wild trade Luke Cunning and a fourth round pick to Nashville. Nashville used that fourth rounder to select Adam Vilsby. And Minnesota acquires Nick Benino, a second and third, who the Wild used to take Marat Kuznadinov, great pick. And the third rounder they traded up with to take Damon Hunt. So that's a bit of it. That was a head scratcher, I thought, for Minnesota right away, trading Luke Cunning for Nick Benino, especially, you know, Luke Cunning was your best center after you traded Eric Stahl. And now, I mean, Minnesota, I know Benino is also a center. You've got your centers are like Joel Eriksson Eck, Nick Benino, Nick Bugstad, and Victor Rask. Uh, pretty bad. Pretty bad. But the fact that they got were able to get Kuznadinov with that second rounder definitely takes the sting off a little bit of that trade, I think. Oh, 100%. Right? We thought Kuznadinov was a first-round pick. We mocked him in our first round, I think, twice. Uh, and so, I mean, get him at 37. Very nice value, we thought. We thought one of the better uh, guys that were available after the first round. And so... You know, you look at it, the two players on the deal, you really, you absolutely, you're wondering, you know, it looks like Minnesota gave up the, the better player in Kunin or Kunin uh, than Benino. But yeah, the Kuznadinov pick was rock on. They wouldn't have had that pick. They didn't make the trade. And so uh, they redeemed themselves uh, within two days of making that trade. Oh, that was within like a couple minutes. They made that trade like right as round two oh, was starting. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. And they had the pick like, you know, well, I guess maybe because of how long the draft was, it might have actually been like 45 minutes later from the 32nd pick to the 37th pick. But uh, I don't, yeah. <laughs> the draft was and, so long. Holy shit. Oh, that was Man, insane. Man. That was seven and a half hours long day two of the draft, <laughs> which we didn't really talk about. But uh, oh, man. yeah, I mean, kinks to work out, you know, when you're doing stuff online, it's yeah. going to take a little longer. Uh, and the other significant move Minnesota's made after trading Dubnik, they signed their new starting goalie, Cam Talbot, to a uh, three-year, $3.6-ish million dollars per. He's 33 years old, Cam Talbot. Signed to a three-year deal now. Uh, he'll, he'll probably be, you know, in a tandem with Alex Stalock now. Or not tandem, Cam Talbot's probably the, the clear-cut number one. And I think Minnesota's probably hoping Capo Kakinen, not to be confused with Capo Kako, can uh, really get it together, maybe hop over Staylock on the depth chart and challenge Talbot for, for some starts. But, uh, man, that seemed pretty expensive, 3.6. I know he just had a good playoff, and that's probably why he could demand that money. But uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if Minnesota just said, hey, we'll go Staylock and Kakinen into next year. That wouldn't have shocked me, to be honest. Yeah, did we talk about Dubrik when we went to the shark when we were on the Sharks? I don't think so, right? Uh, that was before the draft. I mean, so I think we talked oh, about right, it a little okay. bit in our draft okay, show, okay. but... Right, yeah. And so, uh, you know, Cam Talbot, that's... Oof. Oof. Um, I mean, is he a better goalie than Anton Hudobin? No, I don't no. think so at this point in his career. And so, uh, yeah, just... Uh, I mean, I understand, you know, Hudobin stays in Dallas because... Or a hometown discount or whatever because he's already playing there when he's re-signing. But Talbot, man, he's... Oof. I mean, he was, he was like this... I mean, I understand. Yeah, the playoffs were nice, but he wasn't very good during the season. You know, he was trading, you know, trading starts with Dave Riddick, and he's not a starter anymore. I'm sorry, he's just not very good. He had a, you know, he had a nice little stretch, but they paid him three, three years. They gave him three years at three and a half million, over three and a half million. Man, 
strange moves in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, speaking uh, of, uh, what's the deal there? What's their goal? I mean, are they trying to make the playoffs or what's going on? Like, yeah, I, I think they're rebuilding. I think they're rebuilding, and I think the stall trade and the Cullen trade—you know—picking up draft picks kind of points to that. And Bill Garrett, I don't know. Maybe they'll just randomly make the playoffs because it seems to be the kind of thing Minnesota could do. But I wouldn't count on it with that terrible center core. And speaking of the Luke Cunning for Nick Benino trade, Nashville traded Nick Benino, a second and third round pick to Minnesota for Luke Cunning and a fourth rounder, coincidentally. And uh, yeah, Nashville probably could be using some draft picks now, but that's unquestionably an upgrade to their lineup. They buy out Kyle Turris also. A lot of questionable in the bottom six. They don't have much going for them in the bottom six. And they trade Austin Watson also to Ottawa, as we mentioned, for that fourth rounder. Great value for Nashville. Nashville, But, uh, I mean, they got some stuff to work out on that third and fourth line. They signed Nick Cousins, former Hab. He'll probably honestly slot it on the third line if they don't make any other big moves. Because as it stands, uh, their bottom six, they've got like Tolvanen will probably be on the team. Uh, Rem Pitlick might have a spot in the lineup, maybe even Michael McCarron. So uh, Nashville's got some stuff to work out at, at depth forward there. Yeah, I mean that's that's a strange team. They have been for the last little last couple of years. Uh, ever since you know they made that cup run, they made the final, uh, and they fell short. And ever since then, they've kind of been in like mediocre limbo. Uh, and I mean, I don't I don't really see anything to change that. They you know they picked Askarov, which was a bit surprising considering Saros, but hey, um, he could very well like be an elite goalie for them in a few years. And uh, yeah, aside from that, they made a couple nice trades, but that's the thing. I don't know, like, what's the direction with Nashville here? Um, where are they going from here? I mean, it's another one of those teams, kind of similar to Minnesota. I don't know, are they rebuilding? I don't think so. They're, they've got talent in the top six not to rebuild, but it's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know what the direction of this team is. Yeah. And it's time Borowiecki for like, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, and they signed a whole new bottom pair. Mark Borowiecki and Matthew Benning are now there. They're presumably their third pair on defense. Two very different style players might complement each other pretty well, and they've they've rounded out their their six on defense at, at the very least. Yeah, but you know, it's just I I don't understand where they're going. You know, yeah. like are they? You think this is a playoff team? I I mean, maybe they'll scratch their way to a wild card if they have if they like even overachieve. They might overachieve to like a nice wild card playoff berth. I don't think they're making it to the second round, you know. And it's like, what's going on there? This doesn't look like they're rebuilding either. Yeah, it does. I think they're still trying to you know make the playoffs. Maybe get younger with that that Luke Cunning uh Luke Cunning signing who might probably play on like the right wing in the top six or something. Anyway, we are almost at two hours and we got two teams left. St. Louis, uh, what have they done? Uh, not too much oh wait then they signed tory well, krug, krug. I was, yeah i was yeah. just looking at the trades not too much and then i remembered tory krug that's a oh that was a big that was a big that was an earth-shattering contract on day one where you're thinking ah oh, nothing's happening tj brody comes out that was fun then tory krug was the really big one and uh i think this all but spells the end of alex petrangelo out of his time with st louis of his era with st louis and uh you know I don't hate the Tory Crew contract. I don't hate it. I know it takes him till he's old and 36. He does seem like the type of pl- the player who won't really fall off a cliff that badly uh, when he gets you know into his mid-30s. And at least for the time being, it provides a balance to, to St. Louis's defense. Like if they had just lost Petrangelo and not added someone like Krug, like this definitely takes the sting off losing Petrangelo a lot to sign the Krug deal. And I think top pair with Colin Pareko, that's pretty sweet. Then you got like Vince Dunn and um, 
and Justin Falk on pair two. That's a really good top four, a really good top four. And I know you maybe if you can somehow, you know, trade Bozak or Steen or or maybe both of them and uh, maybe Scandella also, which probably won't happen because you just signed him to br- try to bring back Petrangelo. You could maybe still make that work now, but I don't see that happening. And I, if, if they lose him, which they probably will, as I said, this Tory Krug signing uh, makes it hurt a lot less. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no fucking way he's coming back, right? Um, it's just, this is it. They signed his replacement in Tory Krug, and it doesn't look like there was much traction going on with uh, with it on the Petrangelo front anyways, and I think they're much better off signing Krug than losing out on Petrangelo, and then Krug's already gone, uh, and you waited. So I think they jumped on it when they had the chance, uh, and then I think this is definitely the end for Petrangelo. For the, for the contract itself, I think it's it's a lot, man. It's a lot. He's 29, and it takes him seven years. But, uh, I mean, it feels like a move that they really needed to do in order to kind of plug that gap, uh, that 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 gap that Petrangeli's. And trade Krug news, trade is news. a top-pairing defenseman. Ooh, hello. New York Islanders. New York Islanders. We said they weren't busy, and they trade... They trade Kyle Burroughs to Colorado for A.J. Greer. Blockbuster. Absolutely amazing. Crazy. Crazy. Any, Are any you thoughts? glad I interrupted you uh, for that? Yeah, very glad. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was about to end my segment anyways. Any thoughts on this, uh, this minor league trade? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not familiar at all with Kyle Burroughs, except that I've heard the name once or twice, just because I you know, see names of hockey players very often. A.J. Greer, I know, is a second-round pick. I know he has some NHL experience, but he hasn't really put it together. He's probably a career AHLer as well. So because I'm more familiar with Greer, I'll, I'll give the, the win to the Islanders initially. Avalanche lose the trade. That's the verdict. Oof. Boom. That's the headline. Big headline uh, yeah. over in Colorado. They got fleeced. Got absolutely fleeced. <laughs> Um, okay, last team in this marathon free agency trade draft recap uh, are the Winnipeg Jets, and yep. I'm trying to figure out what they've done. They got Obviously, Stassi. you know they got they got Stassi. They got the steal in the draft, uh, or at least one of them in Cole Perfetti over there. And other than that, have they signed anybody? Yeah, they've so signed multiple. They signed Nate Thompson. Former have Nate Thompson yeah, sign on a one-year, pretty very cheap contract with the Jets, probably to play on the fourth line. Dominic Toninato, another fourth liner. They just signed Derek Forbert during our show for a million bucks. That's like a, a number six, seven defenseman, probably. And they re-upped uh, a couple of their own players. Lucas Pisa, Nathan Beaulieu were on the free agency market and ended up heading back to the Jets. So a couple of small deals there. Paul Stasny, I think, was a, a very good move for them. They need that second line center now that Brian Little probably, unfortunately, won't be playing again, even, well, at least for this next season. And Stasny, they know, is a good fit as their second line center because they acquired him as a rental in 2018, and he had great chemistry with Line and Ehlers. And now they got him back probably to to reunite that line again, at least for, for the time being. Maybe they'll shake up lines, as coaches tend to do, but uh, but that's probably the plan. Yeah, I don't know. I that trade, it really feels like they're they're doing Vegas a solid with that one. Um, Vegas was so it was another one of those teams. Like, why are you helping them out of cap trouble? Um, you know, I understand uh, Stasny might provide some value for you, but I don't know. Feels like they let Vegas off the hook a little too uh, a little too nicely, I would say. But uh, that defense, I mean, yeah, it's still bad. What they have, what they haven't really done much. Um, in terms of cap space, yeah, I mean, it's just like they haven't really done anything. It was terrible last year, obviously, 
um, and with guys like Tucker Pullman. But the problem is Tucker Pullman's still on the death chart as like their number six defenseman. Uh, I don't know if they'll stay there. They signed some bottom pair guys, but the problem remains. Dylan DeMello, Josh Morrissey, Nathan Bollier, Neil Pionk. Is that your top four? And like, uh, oof, man. I think they're maybe hoping Dylan Sandberg can make the jump, and I think they, they do. He's been really good in the... At a, where has he played? University of Minnesota Duluth. A really good defensive defenseman there. I think he could maybe make the jump. Uh, maybe not a tremendous needle mover, but there are still some UFA defensemen available. Probably Petrangelo is not going there. Sammy Vatnin maybe is someone they have an eye on, so I wouldn't count him out quite yet. But yeah, as you say, that defense still looks about the same as it did at the end of last season. Yeah, um, so needs an upgrade there. And so yeah, that's it. I think we made it, right? Whoa. Unless you want to... Woo! 31 yeah, teams. Just like that. Imagine how long this would be if, like, if Hall or Petrangelo or Hoffman or Dadanov had signed somewhere, which they still haven't. Yeah, so we got... that. We'll save that for next week. Um, oh, man, I think we just hit two hours here on this episode. Wow. So, yep. uh, yeah, I guess I'll sign off unless you want to have anything else. Unless you don't have anything to add. That's the end. Nothing else, please. Uh, that's it for this episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Thank you for listening. The entire time. Hopefully there will be a similar amount of things to talk about next week. Hopefully the action continues. And uh, yeah, Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast, you know the drill. See you everyone next week.